Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites' weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. I'm your host. My name is Brian Vitale. I've got the usual crew here with me today. Joining me, I have Josh Torres. I hope everyone had a lovely Golden Week and or Cinco de Mayo or just a great week in general. We have Adam Vitale. Hello. James Galizio. Finally, the hopefully uh, short podcast. And Chowman Wu. Um, and and as, you, as you heard him speak, there's Chowman Wu. I was like, I'm going to make sure it's like five hours, guys, at least. <laughs> it's game of the year, guys. All right. So, <laughs> all day. Oh, so what do you think Chow's talking so, 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 so about? Your listeners. <laughs> it is the week before Zelda officially. I'll leave it at that. And uh, we kind of earmarked this podcast previously as a space to talk about a game that came out a couple weeks ago. And that is Honkai Star Rail. I'm basically, I'm not going to preamble any more than that. So this game we could have talked about last week, but uh, Chow wasn't here and we wanted him to be here because this is near and dear to him, apparently. Uh, and also, as Josh alluded to, uh, it has been um, Golden Week. Or did Josh state that? I forget. Yes, one of you, one of you stated that. It was Josh or James. Uh, so actually, on the news front, like publishers, at least out of Japan, haven't. There's not been a lot of news, a lot of headlines this week. We did get a few from a few Western publishers uh, and a few indie studios, but looking at the lineup here, it is quite quite limited. So this might actually be like James stated the short podcast. Uh, but that just gives us more time and more opportunity to talk about the game that we kind of punted on last week, and that is Honkai Star Rail. So I do know that Chow has been putting a lot of time into this game, and James and Josh have also put significant amounts of time into this game. I know Chow has played a lot of Genshin Impact. Josh has played a little bit. I don't think James has played any. So we have a few different perspectives on going into this new Hoyoverse project uh, with Honkai Star Rail, experience with the publisher and the developer, experience with the gacha games in general. Um, I'm going to start out with Chow because he has kind of, you know, he kicked it off before we introduced the topic, Honkai Star Rail. Uh, I'm just going to leave it to however you want to introduce this. I was so excited to talk about this game. It's like, oh, damn it. Like, oh, <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Oh. All right, Chow. Wherever you want to start. No pressure. Uh, I finally got my trail sequel that I always wanted. That's actually good. Not like trash tier CS4. Okay. Okay. So, so let's kind of like introduce the game of like, what, what is Honkai Star Rail? Obviously, this is. From the developers of Genshin Impact, Mihoyo, who have branded themselves as Hoyoverse in the West. Um, unlike, unlike their previous games of Honkai Impact 3rd and Genshin Impact, both were like action focused action RPGs. Um, this one is turn based. Yes, and the turn based system in this game is very reminiscent of what you would find in a Trails game. It's like, it, like the, the systems that are at play there. You know, that, so let's get into it. The first. The first big major difference from like Genshin Impact or Honkai Impact Third is the uh, the turn based battle system. And to and to be clear, because of the namesake, Honkai Star Rail is not directly linked to Honkai Impact Third. You don't need to have played that game to like understand this game. Even though they share the Honkai moniker, there there may be like some recurring characters in it, but they're not like you don't need to have like played or understood Impact Third to like understand Star Rail. But um, from what I understand, so you know. Yeah. Have not played yeah. Honkai Impact third, but I do know some spoilers on it. And people say that you know that experience from Honkai is actually commonly found in 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 the Star Rail. So, uh, at least that's what I heard. Okay, so let's uh, let's get into it. What do you what what makes you say this is the Trail sequel that you've always wanted? 
Okay, so at least like at least in character building, I know people like saying a lot of the game is very simple. You only got two skill two skills to use. I know people memed on that. It, there's even like a self aware character that even memed on it. It'll be like, uh, "Was it you beat this guy?" And this guy's like, "Wow, you're so strong." And you can reply, "It's like I only have two skills," or you could say, "I I have gotcha and became stronger than ever." <laughs> and she was like the other option. He's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yeah, and, and like, uh, the, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, your your basic attack options, like for any given character, like you know, you 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 engage a, a combat encounter in the game. It's like your roll of four characters versus however many characters, and just like you know, in other in other uh, turn based games, it's not it's the uh, it, it's all defined by a turn order depending on like the characters and enemy speed stats. So like you're kind of all intermixed, and then you'll be you know a, a lot can change depending on the character's speed stat and all that stuff. But um, in terms of like options, you have your obviously any character can do a basic attack. Uh, each character can do a skill that costs a skill point. Uh, that's a, that's like a universal pool that uh, that you can pull from in in the middle of battle. I mean, you can have you can store up to five skill points, and each skill um, that takes out one uh, consumes one skill point. But you can regain a skill point back by a character doing a basic attack. And then the uh, another skill that uh, a character uses is their ultimate. So basically, the atta- the options that characters have in Honkai Star Rail are their basic attack, their unique skill. This could be an attack. This could be a buff, debuff, whatever. It's it's very character specific, and their ultimate. And that's basically their only options. But there's a that, there's actually interesting depth tactical depth to it because of these yeah, restrictions. Yeah, because yeah, the thing that I got I'm one of kind of bring up is that even though you only ever have like two maybe three options in combat for each of your characters a lot of the game's depth comes in terms of preparing your party ahead of time because like all of these characters have their own sort of like traits that apply to things like for example um if you get herda if you deal a certain amount of damage, um, she can follow up and do a follow up attack to like uh, pretty much the entire like uh, roster of enemies you're facing. Or um, with uh, March seventh, uh, which it's funny if there's actually an explanation for why her name is March seventh. Yeah, it's, it's really good. But yes, there's a character named March seventh. We might have mentioned it when she was like revealed. But yes, there's a character that's just named a date in the game. And there's actually like a decent explanation for it too. I was surprised. Yeah. I think yeah, it's a good. I think it's a good explanation. I yeah. Think. Um. But anyways, like she, like her, like um, her skill point ability is uh to put a shield on people, and she has a passive where anytime someone with a shield gets hit, she'll do a fall attack. Well, she'll do like a basically a uh, a counter attack when yeah, someone's HP is is higher than thirty percent. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. So yes, you have this interesting dichotomies of like of when you think about turn economy and turn based games, like how do you get the most turns? How how do you get your turn back as much as possible? And that's kind of like sort of like a core philosophy of these characters and the and the way that um to the turn based mentality goes to this game. It's like on on its surface, it's like yes, you only have a limited amount of actions, but because of the way that characters synergize with their tool set with other characters. There's actually like interesting ways to build a team where you can like kind of take your turn back in sneaky ways like that. Where like say like a counter attack or let's say there's follow up attacks. So like you can keep like a, a steady offense by like creating a good defense because of those of that push and pull economy. Like I think people or just you can roll seal at... and uh, just uh, 
bum rush through the entire beginning of the game because yeah is that, is, is that yeah, a character Braun, yeah she is the limited feature limited character right now and, and what, you, what was the name uh cla yes okay. s-e-e-l-e um and and you know just mentioning up front because we were talking about a um yo hoyo verse game yes there's a gotcha system in this game yes there are characters that you can roll for yes there are characters that are you know slightly more special with the highest rarity that are usually you know some of them are way more powerful yeah like, yeah i'll just straight up say yeah. it like there's only two healer type like units in the game right now and the five star one which i believe you can just get a free copy of uh natasha right I believe yeah, much. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I definitely... she's a healer but she's nowhere near as good as uh bailu is it yes like, um yeah. There are some people that are debating that Natasha might be better in certain situations because Bailu cannot clear debuffs on herself. She can resurrect people, and you can use stall tactics and and fight bosses that can kill you and just res and you know just keep stalling. Yeah, and fight it, it, yeah, it, yeah it's it's situational, but in terms of like burst healing output, uh, output and like consistent healing, Bailu is there. But there are uses for Natasha as well. So there is a case to be made, but it's situational for both. So like there might be some encounters. That might be more debuff focused. That Natasha, Natasha is better. So it's not it's not always a universal answer, but yes, there are definitely characters, and you can see like you can you, you've seen it, it like you know in other previous Mihoyo games where inevitably there will be characters they introduce that might be like may, maybe better than like previous characters, like the which is the term called power creeping, you know, in these terms of games where like future content are like future characters, future toolkits of those characters might be just be flat out better better than like characters that were there at launch are much older. You know, you've seen in other gacha games, it's like, you know, it just it's just kind of the nature of that's that why, thing. That's why you get Branya. Branya is a buffer, and I don't think Branya's, or I don't think buffers get power creeped as easily as a DPS. Well, Chow, how do you get Branya? Oh yeah, how do you get Branya, Chow, without spending money? Just keep re-rolling until you get it. I wrote a re-roll ga- a re-roll guy for a reason. Game's de- in the game's defense, in the game's defense, Bronya is not a limited character. She will always be on like the standard banner. So assuming you keep playing this game, statistically you will eventually get her. Eventually. It's yeah, like, it'll take a lot of months, depending on like you know. it'll take a lot of time. Yeah, for sure. But, but, yeah, like I'm just saying, like in general, I I think in getting a buffer is probably better than getting a DPS and. In most gacha games, because the, you don't the, have to worry the, about the, power grip as much. The, like, you know, as the, to be as transparent as possible, like, you know, there, for some people, like, you know, the enjoyment of this game may be increased if you get better characters than, like, just sticking with, like, kind of the characters that, like, you just by default get. Like, just in the nature of being a, a gacha game that you that you can roll for characters in, that, like, getting the hot, new, cool characters or the better, char- higher rarity characters, you know, may very well, in, like, increase your enjoyment of the game because you get that um more expanded options for team oppositions yeah. you get more expanded options for just like in general in combat in terms of like uh hitting weaknesses uh and you know yeah and all that sort of stuff one so, thing i will okay. say one thing i will say is i would actually not recommend being um people being fully free to play if they actually want to play this game i think at a minimum you should get the battle pass because it gives you enough resources to help leveling up uh your units and like your like equipment be so much easier to deal with especially in the early game and it yeah. also yeah i was gonna uh, say genshin pulled the same thing if you didn't bet, get the battle path it is literally hell trying to grind the materials and anything that you need um 
because resources are very limited in this game and you'll you'll not find that out until like once you get past the force world and it's like oh everything just suddenly gained 10 levels higher and now i need to upgrade but they only give me enough energy to do two battles each day it's like we're it's like what do i do you know that's how does the battle pass work because i know every game has a slightly different implementation Uh, of it there's daily missions weekly missions and then like uh like entire like session wide so like the like the the duration of the entire battle pass missions that you can do and those obviously give you a bunch of xp um it, it it's a standard battle pass it, there's nothing really to like uh but is there like is there like a free version and then a yes, tiered version yes. that you pay into yeah i think okay, the tiered so. versions at it's either 5 or 10 dollars it's that's why I say if you're actually serious about playing this game, I'd say at a minimum, I'd recommend getting that because it's at least a one time purchase. You don't have to worry about besides that. Well, I mean, it's a one time purchase for this battle pass duration. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah basically, there's two type of passes. There's one pass where you log in and you get extra gems. I would highly recommend that pass over the battle pass if you want to get characters um, because that one is that one's sneaky too and you should probably mention that the way that one works is that you only it it lasts for 30 days but you only get the resources if you log in every single day yes that's correct Uh, because it shares the exact same thing as genshin so it's uh basically i I mean think about it like this i mean we've already we're already going into like the monetization of this game right and how and how how deep of a rabbit hole and abyss it it can be right Yes. Of like we're already putting like yes it's free to play but now we're already putting like asterisk qualifiers of like well if you really want to you know really take it seriously you, you know you can't really like i think that's a weird message to send across because yes technically you can play it for free like you know uh, like yeah. if you have enough it, persistence if you, yeah. if you if you're really like uh, keep up with it and be like or, or you know it's just one of those things like the, the more time you put into it the more you'll get out of it in terms of like if you're just being per, like consistent with it and you'll get more out of it Obviously, if you pay more of this, like into like certain tiers of like how much you want to yeah, pay into yeah. it, like and with any free to play game, really, like that that has this core structure of like, yeah, uh, I'm just, like, I'm just saying that if people are actually like interested in playing this game, they want to treat it as an actual video game and not a chore. That's why I would recommend getting the battle pass stuff, which is weird to say because usually like battle passes themselves are inherently a chore, but it makes it less of a chore if you go with it because it's like, well, at least you're only really worrying about this. Is there an in-game earnable currency that you can spend on the pass or is it pay currency only? It's pay. There's it's you don't even get pay currency for it. You just pay outright, but you do get stellar jade and uh, you get um, gotcha pulls from doing it. So I believe if you buy the pass you and you actually fully level it up, you get about the equivalent of if you had spent that same money on gotcha pulls. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, so, you know, I, I guess, with, you know, we'll, we'll probably mention it uh, again and again throughout this whole discussion, but you know, what, like, I guess, what do you think about like the structure of it so far, Chow, in terms of like what you, you know, uh, from, from Genshin, because oh yeah, from what you played from like from Genshin, because obviously yeah, yeah. Genshin, Genshin is an open world RPG. The only time you really phase in like into other things into Genshin, from what I played, was like when you went indoors. But other than that, when you're like traveling to like towns, you know, you, there was like no separate like loading screen to like load into town. You'd like you enter the town and you're there. 
Um, I think the whole idea is this this is more like a self-contained structure because it's more condensed. So these there's like a lot more smaller maps. So but now there's like more denser content. And I think because it's not having open world, now you can interact with all these different objects that you know that wasn't possible in Genshin, right? Uh, mm -hmm. it's just I don't know. It's a lot better in general because I feel like the biggest issue with Genshin is how boring the twins are. The twins are like some of the most boring self insert. When you, when you, you, when you say twins, you mean the two main characters, the brother and yes. sister. Yeah. Yes. Um they are very they're really boring because they don't have really good options in dialogue options. And even if you do pick them, they it's like they don't even get to say it. Paimon, the kind of like the mascot character, will do all the talking for the main character. And sometimes Pi Paimon treats you like an idiot because she's an idiot. So it'll be like Oh, Paimon doesn't get that. I don't know what to do. And, you know, it's it just really annoying. And later on, it just gets really painful. And now it got to a point that where people even wanted to skip the dialogue options. And But at least you don't see this problem in Honkai because the main character is actually sassy. Like, you're, you have, like, these awesome options. Like, you see, like, these people are being harassed. And then it's like, oh, the main character even has options. Like, oh, I'll just... I'll just okay, let the harassment go by. They, they, this this is going to betray my... One second, sorry. This is okay. going to betray my ignorance because of Genshin. I've seen like the screen caps that I know in Genshin, you do make dialogue choices. But does the character, does the main character actually speak outside of those? Yes. Okay. Uh, so it, it depends, right? Like, yes, the main character speaks, but it's more like they only speak to themselves during like monologues. And then you're responding to like someone... They don't speak that out their response out loud. You don't hear their dialogue, but when they're like monologuing to themselves, you do hear their voice at times. Like you hear like their inner voice. And is yeah. is Honkai set up the same way or is it slightly different? Well, Honkai, that's I'm talking about Honkai, sorry. I, yeah, I'm talking yeah. about Honkai with that. And then in Genshin, I don't think there was any main character voice, if I remember correctly. I, I think there is for like Battlegrounds. I don't know if there was like any voice dialogue from Genshin that I remembered. You um, Chow, you 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 play Genshin a whole lot more than I did. They added some voice dialogue, but only like two lines of like <laughs> of like, like the whole entire Sumeru arc. Yeah, like, but, but, yeah, but, but Honkai, it seems more, more frequent than that for sure. So in both games, the character's kind of a self avatar, but a little bit more of a character in Honkai. Yeah. If, like if it feels like is there, there, there's actually like kind of like a build up to like getting your main character. Like when you start the game, you don't have your main character yet. You're playing these two like mysterious characters. You don't really know that they're infiltrating like this ship. You don't know what's really going on. And they kind of like awaken the main character because they're like, they're like infusing like this mysterious material called Stellaron. And like they put it into a vessel and that vessel is your main character. And you don't really know exactly what that implies yet. What like the main story reason for that is but they're like kind of like kind of like building it up and then like the the whole after like the the, the finale of the prologue for for instance like kind of clues you in that like there's more to this main character than it lets on like they get struck by something you know like a pretty powerful blow from an enemy that hits like like where their quote-unquote heart would be but the stellaron is there instead and like that kind of starts to awaken some memories that they forgot in the long distant past you know so and then that's kind of like kind of the, the main thrust of the main character. It's like, okay, well, who am I? Essentially, uh, that, that's, that, that's the initial hook narratively. Yeah, for, yeah, for your for your uh, for your main character at least. Mm. And and then from then on, like you, you know, like when we talk about like new regions in Genshin, like oh, they have you know the the initial two regions, and then they put Sumeru region, and then like you know, in, in future updates, they'll have more regions to explore. 
in Honkai Star Rail, like the equivalent of those is like planets. So like in chapter one, you go visit like this ice planet, and it's kind of like a frostpunk situation where like there's this city that's like uh, on this planet. It's kind of the last bastion of humanity that's like stuck like in an eternal freeze, like this blizzard going on. So like you uh, go into that um, capital and. You're trying to find like a uh, you're trying to find the same material there that's inside your main character called Stellaron, and there's this Stellaron in this planet. It's called uh, the the whole cause of this like environmental catastrophe on this planet. So you go to investigate like, okay, where's the Stellaron? Why is it doing this? What what's going on here? And then there's this whole conspiracy in the capital um, that you know that will ultimately lead you to the cause of the Stellaron. Where's the Stellaron? what's the cause of all this how do i stop it and like it, within the inner workings of that you learn about more of the society and that last bastion humanity you know there's like obviously class struggles there there's this whole hierarchical structure and and like uh like like uh, story arcs that do involve like the other characters that you may get for free or like or like, or like in the gacha pool you know could kind of make them you know a little bit more enticing like hey there's these really cool characters that are involved in this story arc that you know, you're that that are are available to pull if you want to pull. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the way I would describe uh, the way these planets work is, it's like they're like seasons of an anime. They're like their own like separated seasons. Yeah, because the second planet story is completely different from the first planet, so it's like a self-contained arc in each planet. So I think that's a good thing. And that that seems like that seems like a smart framework for a game that's obviously going to have a service element to it, where they can introduce new characters with new planets and then kind of incorporate whatever subcast they want of the existing roster to be like the focus of that like like josh said that arc of the, of the quote anime i don't know yeah, it, just, it, it, just, it just seems smart for building on for the future yeah and it, it, it's it's kind of neat in the in the way that they're framing it as well as well right because like with the new planet you don't really know what the environments are going to be until like you visit there you know, like it, it kind of the same way that like Genshin is going to be when there's a new region. What sort of like, like what what sort of environment and scenery will you expect? Well, I I think Genshin has like kind of a more limited framework to like build around that. But in Star Rail, since they, like the stars are the limits essentially. Like you don't know what kind of like what sort of like alien like like sort of scenery you might see. That like you can just, you can just like sort of like your imagination is like your limit. While in Genshin, like they kind of have to like stick within the boundaries of like this world which also has its own benefits as well because you have to think about like like different scenery changes different sort of like how does like the seasons on this like in this world work in genshin while in star is like you're like building a whole ecosystem almost of like what how does this planet operate and what's the, what's the struggle on this planet um while while uh genshin i, I think they're they're going for a more interpersonal sort of approach in the and their uh, overall worldview, like the subplot is the siblings trying to find the other sibling. That's in Genshin. It, mm-hmm. There's always that big overarching plot. I need to find where my sibling is, and that's why I'm doing all these other side quests and helping the Archons at the same time. Here, it's more like I don't think the I don't think the main character is like main plot is quite important. Like who the actual main character is, at least at I don't least yet, so. at yeah. least yet. I mean, it's. There's definitely implications, and there's like I do like the kind of uh, lore and backdrop that they've set up for like uh, Star Rails World so far, um, especially when you kind of get into it with the ions and whatnot. Especially when you kind of uh, 
interact with their like uh, digital manifestations in the uh, simulated universe, which is a really, really cool gameplay mechanic that I've seen a lot of people talk about. And I agree. I think that for me, that's probably the star of the show right now. With, with uh, uh, so, so go, so go to for people who don't know what, what is the simulated universe? It is a uh, like. It's a roguelike. You basically get buffs that are kind of like how you would get buffs in Hades, like uh, attached to different gods. But in this one, it's based off of ions, which are which are gods, but there's like some like lore behind them. And then you have different paths you can take, and uh, it's it's roguelike mode. And it's really fun because you get like the way the buffs work. You can stack them up together, and you can get some really broken combos, especially depending on the characters you bring. Some four-star character, you know, they might be trash in the main game, but in this simulated universe, they become god-tier thanks to all these buffs. Like, uh, Oh, oh, Herda just becomes a complete, like, blender. It's, like, insane. Like, there's one character called Sampo. Uh, he's voiced by uh, Rufus from uh, from uh, Trails, uh, if you play in Japanese. Uh, he, he's, like, this troll, and all he does is, like, these dots that does, like, nothing in the main game. But in here, you can get these, like, buffs to give, like, the dots like way more damage and you can actually like kill like some of the hardest boss with like a level 20 like sampo because of apparently how the blessing works in this system it's kind of crazy what you can do i have a I, confession i have a confession yes i'm an english dub player in this game well well good for you <laughs> well, I, I, I think it's kind of like it's not like amazing but it's like it's kind of like kind of charming in its own way for me for some reason there, there's something about uh, okay I, i'll be i'll be real very fun with you like the, the the two main sidekicks that the main character has is march 7th and another dude uh named da, don hang don hung don hung sorry but you're playing and, like japanese it's like donko because of oh yeah, yeah. that'll fuck me up um so but like their their voice actors are clearly amy and shadow from sonic <laughs> It's kind of really hilarious. <laughs> you know, I so I'm playing like in the Chinese dub on, uh, well, the Chinese audio on my desktop, but I did download it on my phone and it like defaulted to English. And it's like, I'm not going to use the space. I'll keep it on English for a phone. And it's like, I was like, I was wondering, it's like, why do I recognize uh, March's uh, voice <laughs> actress? And then you said, Amy, it's like, oh my God, that makes perfect sense. Like, oh, I, I gotta stick with my Japanese one because I got Yui Ogura, so that's uh, I will I, say that at least for March's uh English uh dub, I think it's like a perfect fit for I, I, I like the English voices, like, I, I wouldn't stick with it if I hated them. That, that's what I'll yeah. say. Uh, like, I, I think I think that there's the English certain charm to English uh, dub yeah. cast for this game, and I'd say the localization in general is like very strong, like, especially I, like the side, like, uh, um, dialogue and text and whatnot there's a lot of uh, charm and like flavor to it all which is always good to see i heard there's a lot of issue in the japanese side because they oh, kind of like yeah. this machine translated a lot yeah. of the text yeah i've seen i've seen that and i yeah yeah I, 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 I think i think the 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 thing that i have like i think the english text script is okay for the most part i just think the 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 composition of like a lot of the sentences are like I feel like it's way more verbose than it needs to be. There's a lot. There's a lot of text in this game, and I feel like the like the the way that some lines are are sort of localized. I feel like it are, it kind of, a lot of it feels long winded to me. It's like did it need to be this long? It feels like like there's yeah. all kinds. Like sometimes there'll be like text boxes that just like take up the whole fucking text box, and I'm like thinking it's like yeah. I'm trying to think if it's like that's a problem with like kind of like. Just the pacing of like the like the, the conversation or like well, if they gosh. should like 
Well, Josh, as mm-hmm. we know, mm-hmm. the primary inspiration for this game was Trails. I know, I know. And there's and there's so many like collectibles, like like note collectibles. So like even if it's like like a like a recipe for something, it's like like you know, it's not even like a simple recipe. There's like a fucking lore dump before you get to the yeah. recipe. It's, and I'm it's like, like, oh my god, there's so there's, much fucking text. I mean, that, I mean that's just so like real life. In, yeah, there's so much in this game where it's like you'll find these like um like bits and pieces of like an actual book, and like you you find all the parts, and it's like yeah, this is just an actual book, and it's like yeah, like Trails had that stuff where you like have one per game, but it's like you have like five per planet. It's like what the fuck. Yeah, they, uh, like like I, I feel like I feel like like uh, like Kaseki like books were like more dense the and more like to the point like in terms of like where they stop compared to like this game. This game feels like it just never ends. Yeah, uh, like I think that was bad. You should try like Genshin when the when the second island came in was it in Azuma. Oh my god, mm-hmm. you literally spent three hours talking to random NPCs on how to get a boat. And get a passport to get to the new island. It's like, can I just skip all this shit? It's like you don't say anything interesting. There's, okay, there's also yeah. The, you just reminded me. That's also a thing that I don't like about Starville, and I think Genshin had the same thing too. Where like, th- you know, there'll be some like RPGs that give you an option of like, okay, do you how do you want to like display the text? Do you want to display slowly, normal, faster, fastest, or instant? Like on like when text like pops up in the dialogue box. This one doesn't give you that option. It's very inconsistent sometimes. When they like start speaking, like yeah, it, it'll do like a like that loading thing uh, until it gives you the arrow to like move on to the next dialogue box, or it'll or, or or for some lines it'll give you that right away. Like there's no consistency between like whether the, the whether you can go out, go out to the next dialogue box instantly or not. It's just like it's variable variable between like the like the conversation cutscene composition because there, there might be some like, like camera cuts uh, that happens like mid mid-sentence as they're delivering the line uh so it's just like it's it's annoying a little it's because it's like i've already read the text i don't need to like wait for like the delivery so i have to wait for like them to like do the camera cut before i can get out to the next dialogue on that uh, so i'm just like gotta it's it for me that's frustrating because like i'm a person it's like I, once i've read the line i can go to the next one i don't need to hear the fucking 300 word essay uh, that they have that they want to deliver before I can get onto the next dialogue box, which is kind of often in this game. Are you a trash can lore expert? I'm yeah, I have the trash can avatar on my profile. It's uh, are you a trash can lore expert? Yes, I am a trash can lore expert. That's yeah, me. I, I love how like uh, so Trills has chest messages. Uh, this game has trash can messages. Your so character, that, yeah, your main character thing. loves trash cans. Like you have like an unhealthy obsession with trash cans in this game. Even like, your sidekicks are like, hmm, I, I'm, done, I'm not even question you anymore. This just seems normal. I have <laughs> a they... golden uh, trash bag in my inventory. It will not leave. Hell yeah! Have, have you? Have you tried? Hiding it, it? Whenever, whenever there's like a, a daily mission to say, hey, consume one consumable, I just feed trash to March. That's it. Damn. That's every time I'm like, hey, March, go uh, eat some trash. And uh, there you go. Mission complete. Damn. You guys are all March 7 haters. I'm not a March 7 hater. I pick on her because I love her. Feeding her trash. What is, what is this? He's getting trash and no one else is. I think that's love. Damn. Is this, oh. is this the new norm? I'm missing <laughs> something here. But well, yeah, I was just going to say, do you hide in the hotel? Have you done that yet? I did hide in the hotel, yes. Um, uh, uh, I, I got the monster. That's right. I scared off. Get the phrase of high morals. That's, that's I, what we are. 
yeah there's like just a lot of like really dumb shit in this game which i kind of like um I, I i like that there's just like a lot of like kind of like fun very little mini activities like there's like there's some platforming puzzles where it's like your standard puzzle of like hey make sure to highlight all these platforms before you like to, to complete this puzzle but you can't like you know obviously go back to a previous platform or it'll reset the puzzle so there's like stuff like that there's also like a minecart puzzle where like you kind of have to like you know uh put certain minecarts in certain nodes to like complete the puzzle and you have to fill them up with ore or not there's just like a lot of like cool side activities that you can do that's like it's not all just like hey go on to the next thing um in battle and go on to the next thing in battle like there's like you know there's some basic things i think where this game kind of falls apart is like kind of i don't want to say it's like the free-to-play nature of it but like some of it is very clumsy in terms of like the, the way it presents story beats like for example there are these two characters um branya and sile and there's like this main story mission where you're going to an orphanage um uh for a certain part of, of the first chat and like um Bronya's like this place feels very familiar but i'm not sure like you know because she's part of like the 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 silver main guards from like the overworld and you're like and you're in the underground like we're kind of like the people who are less fortunate um kind of end up there because of how you know society has kind of like made them outcasts and so you go visit this orphanage and then like you know it's a, in, in a very clumsy way like um you go to like the the main story objective and i think i i forgot if like you see a photo or like or, or just like you just went up to something or like it's some medicine or crates a snow globe and then Bronya's like oh yeah i just remembered i i grew up here it's like it, 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 it like the lead up to it like was just like very sudden and like not really earned at all it's just like you kind of knew that she didn't know where she like grew up but like but like the but the like the presentation of it just kind of felt very flat like you know what should have been like a maybe probably a bigger revelation for that character was just like oh i remember this it's like uh okay i guess yeah <laughs> i think i asked over all this subplot but you know what they should have done over there because you have Celia and branya to join you they should at least let you use them as a trial character so people like have a feel it's like oh is this a character worth getting or something like that you know I, they let himiko join you as a trial character yeah yeah that, that, that's that's weird too like very early on when you're like kind of going through the tutorial parts do you do get like trial characters like himiko um like to see like director toolkits i you can you can kind of do trial characters yeah trial characters for, like the current like limited banner likes like sile pelu um natasha and um hook um like that, like in Genshin, you know, when they're when they're on a banner, you can do like trial battles with them to see if you like them. You see their how their toolkit works, like a very basic, like you know, battle that you can complete for some minor rewards. But like the, but the, that's like a one, like a one time thing really that you can do with them. And but in terms of like having like the, like throughout the the story, there'll be times where like characters join you, but they don't really official officially join you to like be used as trial characters on like the very beginning it's like one of those systems that, like it was like shown at the very beginning but like never revisited upon again but it would make sense story-wise to, like have them as trial characters for that like you know one dungeon yeah i'll just um, straight up say like the entire like latter half of uh the first like real planet they should have had sila uh, be a trial character because she's with you the entire time yeah they follow you all this time and you don't get to use them just kind of yeah. funny 
Yeah, it, 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 it sucks for, like, people who, like, you know, didn't roll for CLA. It's like, dude, I want to, like, kind of use this character more than just, like, the one trial thing, you know? That just, like, you know, at least, like, feel a little bit of gratification. Especially, it's especially bad when... So, Bronya is not a limited time role, but Sile is, even though yeah. they have basically an equal importance in the first planet story. It's like, what the hell? It's, it's, is it going to happen again and again, like in Genshin? Is, is this like a Genshin thing where, like, there's like a new region, but then, like, the, the banner character is a limited character, like, an important character to the story? Yep, happen every time. Yeah, it's cool. like everything. Besides the actual free-to-play bullshit of this game, I enjoy. And I'm still going to play it because I am having a fun time. But man, I wish it was just a regular, real video game. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the, the fighting, like, the, the battle system, like, we didn't really, like, like really get into, like, what really makes it feel like Hiseki because we discussed the battle options. But, like, the Ultimates, for example, like, in older... Oh, yeah, basically yeah, 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 so like you can interrupt character turns and or enemy turns, similar to how you do like in earlier trails games, like in um, like Burl and Crossbell, especially. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from why it makes it different from trails with the experts or the ultimate is because you don't get a huge delay from using it. So this is like a good way to like manipulate turn orders and and trigger like your character passives, and that gives you a lot of complexity to a game that seems rather very simple on the surface. Yeah, right. very, one thing I will say that's very interesting, because I do know that like Genshin to a certain extent had multiplayer, but this is completely single player. Like, except for like your friends where you can like summon some of their units as supports for like grinding. This just is just like borrow from fake grand order. You know, you borrow one friend's uh, support summon, right? Yeah. Or so servant. I might never get Sile, but I, I'll be able to user off of my uh, friends that uh, I don't I won't ask how much money they put into this game. <laughs> right, you can add me, you can borrow my CLA. You can borrow my CLA too. Yeah. Fuck you, Chow. Okay, how much money, Chow? How much money? No, no, no. I don't want to get into this cuz I'm still okay, so okay. that I missed the the <laughs> missed the deadline of that. Okay, so I I only spent $150 only. Yes. <laughs> but you know what? I got more time I feel I enjoyed my time at this game with more than the last two Trails game that cost me $150 from importing. Okay, so okay. so you're, 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 you're justifying it like that. Like, okay, I, I, I want to say something here for full transparency. Go for it. Ch Chow got 6,000 Jade for free. <laughs> That, that uh, yeah. might be true. That might be true. But... I mean, that's not just that might be true. That's that's a fact. Like the developer <laughs> uh, gave you six thousand dollars. Fifty on top of that, and it's like, oh my god, Chow, you're like, <laughs> you're gonna be uh, a well, you're you're gonna already... No, uh, whale. Okay, you gotta uh, Chow, get more than a thousand dollars. Sorry, 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 sorry. You're right. You're you're a clownfish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't at, know least, at least at least a clownfish is the best fish. I mean, who goes out? <laughs> Half the world yeah. looks for his son. It's because oh, Chow just has Chow's frame of reference is his buddy that like puts in. No, I, I made him salty yeah. yesterday that he, he he ditched the anime stream. He was like, "We have way too many SSRs." It's like how it's like how many you spent, and then I like okay, I got this and this, and then he got really salty and left. We we didn't watch Birdie Wing yesterday because of that that's right. fucked up dude okay that's like that's like an affront to god for your fucking for your railing and, and, and flexing on your character you missed a birdie wing episode because you made your friend mad 
uh, he he asked me. He's like, "What?" It's like, "How did you get all that?" Uh, you should have uh, said no. You should have said nothing. You just said, "Say, don't worry about it. Let's fucking watch some birdie wing and have a good time." <laughs> yeah, but no he comment. Was watching, <laughs> he was watching. It. Okay, never mind. It was a good episode this week too, Chow. Maybe, what the fuck? Maybe, maybe I would have Sele if I'd had the that extra jade. Yeah, Chow. Like that. Okay, you know, birdie wing. Well, is... I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna blame Chow for that. I'm gonna blame Alex. <laughs> Psycho man, dang. So I mean, like, I think I think if Honkai Star Rail is worth checking out, if you like turn-based games and you're willing to like pull up, put up with the gotcha bullshit in the sense that like you're not easily swayed and like tempted by gotcha bullshit, I, I think that's the best way I can put it because this is inherently you know a gotcha game that I it it is. A single-player turn-based RPG that has gotcha game mechanics, where there are some characters you can earn for free, but not like like you know, but not all the characters, and of course, not the highest rarity characters that like do really cool shit. They and that's not that even going. Free. That's not even getting into the fact that much like Genshin, which this is one of the things I did hear about Genshin, why I never actually played it. Uh, there is a similar like situation to like the constellation system from Genshin in the idol and I think yes um, system here. So it's like, it's not enough necessarily just to get a five star character because there's like additional buffs that they get for every time you reroll that. Well, you get like an additional unit of that character. Yeah. When you get a dupe, like for any character, like, you know, if you get a dupe of that character, you can like unlock certain more passive traits to them. That enhance their, you know, it's not, it's not. Uh, I imagine it's not mandatory, but if you are swayed or tempted by that, then very much beware. You know, if you're like, I really want to like get the most out of this really cool high rarity character, and then, and then coming to that uh, realization, oh, I need to roll more of this character to do that. And and the the rates for this are just like Genshin, where like the base rate for like to roll the highest rarity character is like. 0.6 percent and then that'll uh gradually very gradually raise as you do more 10 rolls and then there'll be like a soft pity limit um at i think 90 for limited characters no 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 no. it's uh 75 for soft pity so once okay. you get to 75 rolls your your rates basically go skyrocket to like getting 10 percent for each ssr and just keeps going higher and higher until it reaches like at 90 rolls which is 100 percent yeah, and to be clear, it for the limited characters, it's not quite the same thing because it's like you're guaranteed to get a five star character on the um, pity with the limited rolls, but that's any five star character in the rotation. I hit the pity on um, the uh, limited uh, star rail, the limited uh, rail pass, and got a five star. I got Clara instead of Sealy. She's actually very good. Yeah, like I'm not. That's not the point, child. <laughs> Yeah, that's not the point. It's like in order to guarantee to get Celia, I'd I'd have to like like to guarantee it. I'd have to hit hard pity again with before she goes out of rotation because the only thing is is that they'd say, oh well, for this what? banner, if your second five star, if you didn't get it the first time, you're guaranteed to get it this time. And it's like. That's still fucked up. <laughs> Welcome to the Genshin 50-50. I actually hate the Genshin uh, gotcha system with a passion, to be honest with you. I feel like you cannot make any progress without at least spending the battle pass on it. 
it's one of the most predatory practices. So I really do hate when people say, oh, did you know that you got this like triple A game for free? But you know what? I don't feel like I would enjoy it without spending money. I feel being a fit, like a free to play player is really as, as evidenced by the money you've spent. Yes, I, I feel like being a free-to-play player is really awful. It'll be like that Lakari video on the internet. I want to swipe! I want to swipe! If you've ever seen that video. But, you know, I, I'm not one of those guys. I don't want to be like that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, they, they play a good game. But, you know, there's a reason why they make a free-to-play, because they make more money this way from the gotcha system. Yeah, and it, yeah. like, from what I can hear, like, it's already off to a slightly faster start than Genshin. So it's like, well... I mean, yeah, it's it's gonna keep on ha- happening. You know, they have Zenless Zone Zero in in the works. That's another game that Mihoyo uh, is working on. They also have probably other unannounced projects uh, in the wings, and they're and they're still they're still continuing to support Hawkeye Impact Third, Genshin Impact. So I mean, they're just they're rolling in it. You know, they 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 know how to make their games, know how to monetize it, they know how to find their audience. You know, and you know there 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 is some like you know very good points about parts about them some kind of air points and some really you know inherently bad points in terms of like just the nature of the gacha genre and the monetization that it makes and you know mileage may vary you know some people will, will, will think it's you know whatever and some people are like this is the most fucked up thing that's happened in the gaming industry since like it, it's made it's just no, all, all valid points. <laughs> my my thought with uh, free-to-play games at this point is that if I was given the option to just, like, pay a sub fee and not have to worry about any of the free-to-play bullshit, I would much rather do that. Yeah, but you know what? That would make less money in the long run. <laughs> you know what's kind yeah, of crazy? My, my friend, the whale friend uh, I, I agree was talking to, to earlier, he refuses to play any game that has a sub because that feels like I have to spend the time to play it to get my money's worth. But then <laughs> but then when you play a gotcha game, you're willing to throw thousands and have no self-control, and then that's no longer an issue? I don't know. It's, just, it's a weird kind it's of mindset. A, it's all a psychological thing, because it's like, oh, well, if you're paying money when you don't have to, then it's like, well, it doesn't feel like, like for some people, it just doesn't feel exploitative, even though it very much clearly is. <laughs> I, I will I will say you know, <clears throat> like in terms of like playability, like like comparing my experiences like here from Genshin, like I, I, I like it, at least this feels more pleasant to play than Genshin because Genshin was very much you always had to be, you know, play an active role as an action RPG. There's like not really a fast forward option. There's not an auto battle option to kind of like get the busy work done for you. While in this game, you know, it's a turn based game, so it's kind of uh, they kind of have more quality of life features. Than uh, Genshin had, they have uh, you know a turbo mode and like uh, uh, an auto oh, battle op- option. Yeah, here. we have to do everything manually. And, 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 and the dailies are like really fucking dead brain simple, brain dead simple compared <laughs> they, to like they, basically, they basically took the Genshin dailies and just trim it by one fourth, so you'll it'll take even less time to finish the dailies in here. I would like, say, like, like, I, like, I, like, it's it's like it's one of those like games that like. Maybe I'll like keep up keep up with it more, like not fall off as fast as Genshin. May like I inevitably will one day, but like you know, right now it's like one of those games. Like it's kind of like a sort of empty month outside of Zelda for me. Um, I don't know what else will really fill in the time right now. So I'm just like I'm kind of fine with like you know playing Star Rail for DLC. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. 
I mean that that first spoken DLC, at least from what they what the gameplay trailer showed, looks like it might be better in the main game. Not saying much. System well, Shock remake is coming out in the end of the month. Believe me. It yeah, really it's definitely, uh, yeah, definitely a May release the, at the last day if it does hit that date. But um, you know, but once again, like I think they 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 have they have a lot of really neat ideas with Star Rail. I'm interested to see you know how this develops. I still have a lot of content to go. You know, I I usually play it when I know when when I have some you know downtime now, um, and you know we'll, we'll see where it goes. You know, that's all I can really say. Is I, uh, I I like where it's going so far. Like it has a it has a more immediate hook to me than Genshin did. And I, I think I did, I'm quitting Genshin. I'm not playing wow uh, i don't i don't believe that first I, I, I don't i don't know that's good that's really that's a really uh, good thing you made here on star will be my replacement because i found the story here is way more engaging yeah. combat's way better because i don't really care for open world games to be honest with you even though i put a lot of time in genshin uh i just feel like i, I actually prefer playing turn-based yeah, 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 the, the model this is a more of a traditional jrpg structure like you see like in like an ff10 or like in trails like it's yeah. not or that's not like fully open world. There's like designated zones and corridors, and like in the, the there's a lot of fast travel nodes to get around really really fucking fast. Like I do like the fast travel placement of these nodes. Like they're always by a quest giver, um, so you never have to like really walk long distances at all. You just stop fast travel, fast travel, fast travel, fucking everywhere. Like in well, my opinion, like for me, I find open world games to be painful to play. People like exploration and get all the rewards, but I'm just there for the rewards. I don't really care. <laughs> I'm just going straight to the rewards. Like once yeah, you play they, it too much, you just zone in and it's like, can I just get my rewards immediately and go? You know, basically, right? And it just becomes a chore to play. At yeah, least that's well, how I see it. Yeah. So I don't know, but. but... But yeah, it's uh, they definitely have it. it like a, the, you can definitely see like how they transferred a lot of like the Genshin like core structure and formula outside of the open world. Like how they adapted like that that those system structures and UI presentation into Honkai Star Rail, like into a more traditional JRPG. So like you know when you're uh, le- leveling your account, you still have that like a designated NPC back at the, your star train to like talk to them and claim your rewards every time like you level up your account level like you did in Genshin where you had to go talk to that person in town to go get like your rewards for leveling up your account you know the, 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 the way that like you know you interface with a lot of its systems UI wise is very reminiscent of Genshin but it just, it just feels more it just feels faster to do it feels even funnier that the mascot character that gives you all the rewards is voiced by Toa in the Japanese version <laughs> No fucking way. That's funny as hell. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of initial thoughts on Star Rail. I, th- I think it's a really solid, like, it, it makes it... If you know what you're getting yourself into, if you, like, kind of know what the gacha game genre is and what you're getting yourself into, like, I think it makes a solid first impression. Um, if you've never played a gacha game before, you know, you'll probably enjoy it. But like I said you know have some self-control and i'm not going to say don't spend money on it i'm going to say you know you know play a good amount of it first decide for yourself what's and be financially responsible yeah at the end of the day uh, the funniest funniest thing well it's not actually funny is that when you go to like like exchange like if you look at the uh like actual shop and look at it in the smallest like letters imaginable when you on the screen where it's like, hey, do you want to purchase uh, the uh, gotcha pole currency? It'll say 
please play responsibly. And it's like takes up like maybe one hundredth of the screen in the bottom left corner. It's so <laughs> small. You can I didn't even notice it at first. I just like randomly saw us like that is that is there because somewhere they're legally obligated to have that there. Otherwise it would not be there. And it's like, come on. Absolutely. <laughs> Belgium. I think. Sorry. I don't even know if this is, if this is available in those countries that they kind of ban loot boxes in general. I don't know. But, um, to, yeah, to, to, to wrap up I the think, conversation a little bit, Oh, go ahead and give your last thought, James. Then I'll speak. I think it it gets around it because technically you're not buying the loot boxes directly. You're buying the jade that then you that you then pay for the loot boxes. Mm, oh yeah, that's all the conversions. So there's like a loophole. Yeah, and I think that's also why there's the special rail passes and the regular rail passes. It's it's, an, it's it's another like obfuscation where it's like, well, but you can spend this for so many different options. Uh, regular loot box pull, which you should never spend money on unless you're unless you're dumb. Or the special loot box pull, which is what you actually want, because there's literally no downsides. I mean, the the the, the regular, you know, I can see people going like if they want to try to get the pity fast for the for the regular. That, but the pity for the regular is like three, like three hundred, I think. Yeah, and people will, that that's a, that's like a number for people to like strive for, right? That's another way to like hook them and be like, okay, I wanna I wanna reach that pity. Well, because at least that's a thing, because Genshin didn't have that. You know, they actually implemented some good systems from Genshin because of all the complaints. So this game actually starts out with all the quality of life features from Genshin. Like the light cones, okay, it, which is basically the weapons in Genshin. Back then, there used to be like three different weapons you could get, and you could never get the one that you wanted. I think the only reason they changed it because there's two, like, basically popular uh, YouTube creators that started making videos, and they got 31 of different weapons. And they actually take like 80 to get to, or at least 70 for pity for those things. And and yeah, they spent a lot of money and didn't get what they wanted. And people basically bitched at them and they finally changed the system. So it's a good thing that they have some of those features. But like I said, <laughs> spent responsibly. Oh. All right. So a- any final thoughts, uh, guys? I-, I said my piece. Any final thoughts on Star Rail? The best characters are four stars. Ting, Ting Yun is the best character in the game. In addition to the feedback and the impressions that we got from Josh, James, and Chow, uh, Josh Tolatino, who is a more recent contributor to the site, who has been doing a lot the of news. Josh for a yeah, so we have two Josh T's, Josh 1 and Josh 2. You can decide which one's 1 and 2. But yeah, Josh Tolentino has been doing a lot of news posts for us on RPGSite.net for the last three weeks or so, four weeks. He's been really uh, doing a stellar job there, uh, but wrote his first opinion piece. It's basically... Uh, a review kind of in all but name uh, about the his initial impressions on Honkai Star Rail coming from the perspective of someone who did ostensibly put significant time into Genshin Impact and I think even Honkai Impact 3rd. So very high opinion on Star Rail from Josh Tolentino up on the site. And then as Chow alluded to, we do have a few minor guide pieces that, to accompany that feature uh, as well. So we do have a lot of coverage of Star Rail on the site and uh, depending on how those do, I'm guessing there will be some push from from our from our bosses to see like if there's any uh, push to do more features on that as the game continues on alongside Genshin Impact. 
So we'll see how that kind of shakes out in the long run in terms of traffic. That's a, that's a, little, that's a little grim framing, right? It's like, you know, depending on how it goes, maybe our bosses will push us to do more. Well, uh, well it, it's both that and also like how people, how eager people are to, to contribute to that. So it's, it is a little grim, maybe. But yeah, <laughs> so. I'll go ahead and do my little game section here. So we only had two games in our game talk section here that we slotted. Uh, we wanted to earmark most of the time for Honkai Star Rail. And now that we're an hour in, I think we've done that game justice but i've also played a game that was brought up last week on the podcast that i stated i was kind of interested in trying out because i didn't realize it would had been received so well and that is um cassette beasts so cassette beasts is an indie pokemon like that released on steam in late april i believe it's slated to release on xbox and switch in may in the upcoming days uh, on Steam, when I last checked, it was overwhelmingly positive, like 97% of 1,500 reviews. So I'm like, all right, I'll give this a go. Apparently, How Long to Beat says it's about 20 hours long. I'm not diving into something that's too onerous. Let's see. Let's see how we're looking at. And I downloaded it literally just last night, played about five hours of it. And I, I can kind of see where the positive impressions are coming from. So uh, to, to kind of tee this up a bit for Cassette Beasts, I have not played any other Pokemon like other than Pokemon. And I also skipped like generations five through eight on Pokemon. So I haven't played like Pokemon Uranium. That's what it was. I, I haven't played Pokemon Uranium. I haven't played Temtem. I haven't played any of these other ones. So this is my first time like wading into this space uh, for Cassette Beasts. It starts out as just to, just to tee up the story where you, your your character who is an, a, a self-insert avatar washes up on a beach and basically is immediately um, runs into a character named Kaylee who basically says like, kind of, it kind of is like seat of your pants. Like here's, here's a tape deck now transform into a monster. Now let's go, go ahead and record this other monster. That's just how it works here. Come on, let's get going. Uh, and that ends up being kind of like the through line of, the whole game so far, at least in the first several hours, is that this island is like an island out of time. It seems like it's tangentially like it's parallel to our world, but um, no one knows. The 90s. Well, it's like obviously it's got like the the recorder, the tape deck aesthetic to it. It is like this character literally says, like, I am from Australia. Uh, but they talk about when other characters like wash up on the beach or arrive out of the sky it implies that they come from different sections of time. There's actually a part where it's like, has World War II happened yet? Or have you has the US landed on the moon from where you're from, et cetera? So like different people have different like fragments of and, and it seems weird that this is how I'm starting out the discussion here, or it's like this really mystery kind of like anachronistic meld island of care people from all sorts of different timelines from you know our real world, quote unquote. But this world, for some reason, has these monsters, and these monsters are very blatantly just kind of like diet Pokemon, I guess, where they, um, instead of having physical attacks and magic attacks, it's all melee or ranged. There is like a type chart in the game that looks exactly like the type chart they can get on Cerebi or Bulbapedia or whatever. Um, there are, you can hold more than four abilities per, per, per beast. But there are also how it works is each beast is represented by a tape. 
And on this tape, there is a sticker that represents what the beast looks like. But then you can kind of alter it with additional stickers, which which behave kind of like TMs, where a, a beast as it levels up will learn new abilities. But then you can kind of slap different stickers on to kind of modify it. So it's like TMs or HMs. Um, but you you don't actually capture the beast. You record their like DNA, their info, and you transform into them which is kind of nice from a gameplay perspective because you'll have your character, you'll encounter different partner characters and the levels that you get, the EXP that you're, that you are awarded is assigned to your character, not to the beast. So if you get a new beast, um, for the most part, you can kind of use them and they will be decently strong. Even if you're using them outright or you caught them in a low level area, etc. However, the different recordings do kind of tier up in a star system. So each beast is rated one to five stars. So when you first capture a beast, your character, like your actual playable avatar, might be level, let's say, 21. But then you captured a beast, you haven't used it yet, so it's at zero or one stars. As you gain EXP for your character, that beast will level up from one star to five star. And so learn do you, like, equip six monsters or something? Like, you wouldn't yeah. So it's everything is double battles. So it's like Pokemon Coliseum or Gale of Darkness. So everything is double battles. It's you and your NPC partner. And this game apparently does also have drop in, drop out co-op where we, someone just takes control of the partner. And it's actually like um, it uses the Steam remote play together feature. So basically, I believe what that means is if Adam wanted to play with me, he wouldn't need a copy of the game. He would just stream his inputs to me. I've never actually used remote play together, but there's it, it's very there's been a lot of UI pop-ups. It's really well integrated into the Steam, I don't know, API, where like I could send Adam, if he's on my friends list, a, a game invite. And as far as I understand, he could join without ownership or whatever, and it would just be through our network connection. And he could take over the, for the second character um, if you wanted to, which is kind of fun that they implemented that because uh, the double battle system, anyone who's played a lot of Pokemon, which I admittedly haven't, opens up a lot of different... Um, just kind of gameplay avenues in terms of supporting your partner, multi-hit moves, single-hit moves, uh, abilities that, that affect the whole field, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but one thing that I found about this game that I haven't found, I'm still working through Pokemon Violet. Like I'm, I'm like 10 hours into that game. I have it installed on my Switch. And for whatever reason, I just can't like find myself engaged with it. I don't think it's bad, but I just, I, it just I haven't latched onto it. But in this game, there's something about it that it just scratches like an itch that Pokemon Scarlet doesn't, where it, it has a vibe uh, and an art style that's very reminiscent of like Pokemon Gen 4 or Gen 5, like Pearl Platinum or or Black White. Um, it has a lot of more traditional RPG trappings as well, where you actually have like a quest log. Uh, they're, they're subdivided into main quests, side quests, and rumors, which are kind of more like little ancillary tasks. Um, the game is very open-ended where it's not railroading you from gym to gym, which I know Pokemon doesn't do that anymore either, but it's just kind of like, here's the map. You've got a couple different main quests. You've got a couple different side quests. We'll kind of point on the map roughly where they are, but we're not going to tell you to go any particular direction. We're not even going to suggest one. Just kind of do what you want. So I really do appreciate that. And of course, if you go in a certain direction, you'll find, oh crap, the monsters here are way higher than me. So I should probably find another route first. Like there's probably an intended path, but the game's not explicitly going to tell you. It's going to let your let you kind of figure it out for yourselves, which I always appreciate when games allow you to do that. There is uh, a system that's kind of Metroidvania-esque, which is a little fun. So you can capture monsters, just like whether you're not, I think there's 120 in total and monsters do evolve. They call it... Um, 
what do they call it? They call it like rewriting, where once you get a tape and you get a monster up to five stars, you can kind of rewrite it where it then basically evolves. And there are most monsters will branch evolve, so you have different options. Um, sometimes it's very explicit where you it just says, pick? "Yeah, you just pick." Uh, well, oh. in some <laughs> in some cases you do just pick. Like for instance, there was one monster that is basically this is a very very early monster that you meet. It's basically a crab with a caution cone, like a traffic cone, on its back. And when I got one and evolved it, it's like, do you want this traffic crab to evolve into something that focuses on ranged attacks or or melee attacks? And then I picked, okay, melee attacks. So then my traffic crab evolved into Lobstacle, which is like a melee-focused crab. But it kind of could have picked range. And apparently there's also suggestions... Lobstacle is a really fucking good name for, for uh, a Pokemon type uh, that, thing. That's pretty much all the names. <laughs> that's pretty I, much all I'm the impressed. Um, uh, some of the, some of the uh, monsters are uh, have a really good theme, a really good design. Some of them are not quite as clear. Like the crab with the traffic cone on its back, that's simple, that's perfect, that's easy. There's another Basically one where it's crab using a yeah. cone as a shell. Okay. Yeah, there's there's another one that's supposed to be like a siren, like a siren of the sea, but has like a microphone instead of singing. Something like, I kind of get that. Um, so I, the designs are fun, but I don't know if, I don't know if they're any better or worse than any like Temtem monster or Pokemon Uranium or any, any other Fakemon or things like that, but they're, they're fine. I don't have an issue with them. Um, there, it has been suggested that some, depending on when you evolve them, whether it's daytime or nighttime might have also different branches. And one thing that's just recently been introduced to me in the game is that monsters can fuse. They can DNA digivolve. Basically there's a, there is a, um, 120 monster bestiary pokedex and then if i go view fusions it says i have seen five fusions out of 14,400 so i'm pretty sure that you've you've seen like those websites where it's just take the sprite and meld them together in terms of like this is all just programmatic the fact that there's 14,000 fusions just tells me that that is uh how this game is implemented yeah yeah so i've seen five and there's apparently fourteen thousand, and it literally says like you have seen five out of fourteen thousand. that's zero percent rounded down (laughs) i don't know neat uh so this game might take a long time to uh, to, (laughs) to complete um then here's the thing that i wasn't expecting from this game so every so far it's very charming very uh it, it's very like straightforward, but it has enough systems underneath that it, it's not e- it's not too easy. It's not too boring. It's very nonlinear, so it it does require a little bit of thought um, and just kind of wanderlust. But you end up early on in this game going to an underground train station, and you find like this glitching, like it actually makes like glitch effects appear on your screen, like portion of like a mannequin. It's meant to be like very unsettling, very creepy, and they call it an archangel. And they're like, what are the archangels? Like these like otherworldly beasts. There's eight or nine of them in this world. And it tries to sing to you, but you can't make out the verse. And it basically says, if we go to these other train stations on the map, we might be able to put together the verse and figure out like what these archangels are from and where they're coming from. And I'm like, that was creepier than I expected. But then it got worse. I found a train station. There was like a little there's a, there's a little micro puzzles involving like platforming and switches and some switches you have to press once they, they flip levers, some switches you have to hold down. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's some like puzzle making and it's fine. I go into this other train station and I go into 
uh, another fight with an archangel. But this one, instead of being like the pixel art style of the uh, of the rest of the game, it's like this 3D animated stop motion sort of really creepy figure. I'm seeing if I can find a, a picture of it to throw in chat, which I know doesn't help anyone um, on the podcast. But it's just something where it almost looks like something out of like a Tim Burton movie that I'm fighting oh, yeah. on, the, on the right hand side of the screen. <laughs> and it's like incredibly unnerving. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Or like like from something from like Beetlejuice. And like and the, the first one was like a mannequin. This one was like a puppet. And I'm just like, OK, so this this game has some creepy undertones. Um, and I have no idea like where the narrative's going. Like, how does this tie into beasts that are recorded onto tapes? No idea at all. Um, but so this it's for anyone that's enjoyed Gen 4, Gen 5 Pokemon and didn't latch on to Scarlet and uh, what oh, was Gen 8? Scar Scarlet, and Scar Violet. Scarlet and Violet. Sorry. I can't guarantee that you'll like this game. But for, for someone like me who has struggled to latch on to the more recent Pokemon, despite trying to this game, I've played like five hours in an evening already just downloading it on from a whim. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm really enjoying this. Just it's it, it, it rewards you. Like it has, it has a fun little short gameplay loop where you do little micro quests, you get a reward, you get a new TM, you get a new beast, you upgrade it. Um, you feel like you're constantly making progress. Uh, the story is interesting, more interesting than I would have expected going in. It's not just uh, there is there is a little basic like you are a ranger. There's ranger champions that you can battle to prove your worth, and we'll put your worth on the stamp card like gym leaders or whatever. But then it has like this: where the hell is this? island out of time what the hell are these manifestations that appear in the underground train stations i have no idea oh there's also some fun little thing where um this seems more of like side quest but there are these creatures that are drawn and represented very much like a classic vampire they wear like black outfits pale skin dark hair etc but they're like real estate agents and they're wanting, they're trying to sell you property. And it's just what? fun little it's just fun oh. little quirk. It's just like a fun little quirky, like they might they're 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 vampires in more ways than one, or, or things like that. So there's like the game's not all serious, it's whimsical, but then has this like serious side to it, slant to it. So I've I've had a really good time for those that are I know we're going into a, a period where we have Zelda dropping, Final Fantasy dropping, Trails into Reverie dropping. We have a lot of big games coming up, but uh, this game, I'm glad that I'm deciding to like, I was also still working on playing War Tales, which I brought up on some previous podcasts. That's another long-winded game. Like I want something a little bit more bite-sized, a little bit more uh, whimsical, something that I might be able to finish in just a few, uh, not, maybe not a few days, because apparently it's still 15 to 20 hours long, but in not too much time. And I've really enjoyed my time with this. I can kind of see where the, it's just really fun to play is is the bottom line so i've enjoyed it and i, I recommend people who, who are curious to to try it out and with that we'll go into the um a few article shout outs and uh our news section which as we alluded to earlier is uh pretty darn light part mostly due to the fact that it's um golden week over in japan or just recently wrapped up in japan uh, before we do that, we do have some of the article shout outs. We talked about uh, Josh Tolentino's uh, Star Rails impression piece, plus the guides that have been put together for that. Um, here's something that we have joked about in this podcast regarding some fighting games. We've spent between um, visual novels and RPGs. I would say that the third allotted amount of time on this podcast that we speak to is fighting games. So we talked a bit about um, uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. We talked a bit uh, about... Um, Blaze Blue. Melty Blood. That one. Yeah. Melty Blood. 
and Guilty Gear. That was the other one. Strive was the other one. So we've 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 spent a decent amount of time talking about those games because I know that those are a passion of Josh and Chow uh, primarily. We joked about this, but Alex Donaldson, our boss, who makes us write Honkai features and guides, apparently, did write up a feature about how Street Fighter VI is actually a role-playing game. So I have not been following any of the marketing or press for Street Fighter VI. I'm not sure. I know that Chow has put uh, has played. I've seen him stream Street Fighters four and five a bit. So I don't know if he's excited for six or if it's not the type of fighting game he typically plays. But I guess Street Fighter Six has like an action arcade mode that plays similar to like a Yakuza title, where you're fighting thugs on the street and you're leveling up, you're getting new abilities, and it's meant to be kind of like an ex- an extended, elaborate training mode. Yeah, and it uh, even adds like actual like proper stats and whatnot so it's like yeah, yeah no this is straight up like an action rpg so like, basically they're, they're trying to flush out like the uh, the single player mode of the of street fighter 6 and it's kind of, it's a dedicated mode called the world tour mode it's sort of like almost a direct response to how poorly focused uh street fighter 5 launched because when street fighter 5 originally launched there was really there was barely any single player elements to it they didn't have, even have an arcade mode um when it launched um, pretty upset about that yeah you know so the, it just it was it, it was a very it was a very competitive esports focused type of game from the get-go and that you know it, it didn't really uh it speak didn't really to engage the majority yeah, yeah they really did speak to because because so, so, a lot of people who you know pick up fighting games and play them casually you know they like might want to do an arcade mode um, you know, they're not the uh, fighting games aren't really known for their story mode, but some you know more modern fighting games have really stepped it up, like with Mortal Kombat, uh, especially. Um, you see, you see some uh, games like Guilty Gear has uh, been trying to uh, make more narrative focused uh, story modes where you don't really fight in them necessarily, but they're like you have like a cinematic you know story unfolding, um, kind of like a, like an elaborate visual novel. Gosh, almost. gosh. I miss Blaze Blue. Yeah, Blaze Blue was pretty much a, like a visual novel uh, in terms of oh, yeah. some fights interspersed, and not uh, even just it, that, like the side modes, like Abyss mode was. Yeah. it's just like a roguelike. Yeah, then you had Grand Blue uh, Fantasy versus had like a you know a dedicated like RPG uh, mode where you know it was kind of, kind of you did like a side scrolling sort of uh, uh, battles in it with boss fights, and you could like upgrade like your weapons and your weapon grid in it and all that. Um, so Street Fighter Six is kind of like the next big, big evolution of like of a single player mode in a fighting game, where they like pretty much turn it to like, well, like you said, like almost a Yakuza, like a Dragon style of presentation, but action uh, and turning it into an action RPG where like you have a you have a character that you fully create. You can you can be very very flexible, versatile with that character create mode. Uh, you can make monstrosities that people have been sharing all over social media. Um, when the betas were going on, and um, and I'm sure there'll be more to come. Um, and uh, as you're going through that mode, you're exploring like uh, open zones in it, um, and you can pretty much like like go up to like any NPC and fight them. Um, there's stats involved, and like you know, there's like different clothes that you can buy with in in game money, uh, and it'll tweak your stats. Um, it'll yeah, you can learn new fighting styles from like the roster that you uh, of Street Fighter Six that you meet inside that mode, and you can actually actually like mix and match their moves as well. So if you like say like Ken's normal moves, but you want like Chun Li and Blanca's specials, 
uh, you can mix and match them together in your creative character. Uh, you know, as li- and you can like obtain them by like becoming like their their pupil and study under them, and then you know, and eventually like you know, gain uh, their special moves. And then if you beat them in battle, you can get gain like their uh, some like their some of their supers, um, and all that sort of stuff. And then like you can take like this creative character that you made, and you actually kind of bring it online, and like in a, in a very casual, low stakes match, you can like uh, like you know, challenge other people's creative character in like the online multiplayer lobby. That they advertise like in the last Street Fighter Six uh, showcase, um, so you can actually like kind of, you know, test out and see what other people are doing, how they created their character, what sort of getup that they have for the monstrosities, or maybe they're awesome, hot, normal people, um, and see what sort of move sets that they have, and and it, it like it, it even uh, takes into account like your character's proportions and like the the length of their arms, the length of their legs, and. But tweaking the hitboxes of your character based on like the proportions that you've made for your character. And you can even um, use them in online matches. Uh, it does not make the mistake that Soul Calibur does. You cannot use them in ranked. Thank yeah. fucking God. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys remember the slime type monster or something in Dude, the, yeah, the, Oh my God. The, that I was. That, Couldn't even see the hitbox. And everyone's the like, fact the, fuck that, the fact that the Soul Calibur developers were like, oh yeah, well, that was intentional. We want to, uh, them to use their. Uh, create a, uh, a soul and ranked and it's like i understand but don't not on rank only casual mode uh, so, it's like, so, yeah you ever so, went to those casual rooms where they let people use boss characters <laughs> and that's okay apparently now but no that should never be allowed so yeah i mean uh, alex and i have been talking about it um but ever since they shut off this uh capcom shut off this mode and we're like thinking like this is this, this would be a fun thing for the site. Like, uh, like for me, it's like there's enough RPG like stuff there that like it it feels meaningful for the game in a very tasteful, fun fashion. That's like it's like it's not like a main focus for the site, I would say, but like it's a fun thing to like kind of bring in. And like for me, like, um, you know, when I go into it and I'm thinking, you know, if I do coverage for this game on the site, like I want to definitely approach it from the angle from like what a standard RPG player would feel like going in and not 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 really know much about fighting it's like hey i'm a person who loves rpgs i may not be really familiar with the fighting game genre or not maybe not really the fighting games like will this speak to me if i like just want to engage with the rpg mode of it how much replayability and how many hours can i get out of that and will it inspire me ultimately to like play further than that will uh, will it inspire me you know, from the front, if I were to write from the perspective of like a, a person who enjoys RPGs, would it inspire me to like go online or play like other real people and like learn beyond just what's the the standard single player RPG offerings? I mean, I I have played like the story mode of Street Fighter Four. That was like fifteen years ago or something like that. And I could see. I don't think I'm not going to say I'm going to play Street Fighter Six, but I could see this being something where it's like, yeah, I've played Yakuza Like a Dragon, or I've played some other action titles. I've been interested in at least familiarizing myself with this IP or with these characters um, and having that kind of be the gateway for that. Now, whether or not that turns into someone that goes online and plays competitively, I think that's another pretty big hurdle. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes me interested about that. Like, you know, because it often captures like the spirit of Yakuza Like a Dragon, right? It's very goofy and self-aware. Like you're fighting, like they said, like in the showcase, like refrigerators. And it's like mm-hmm. random objects, you know. It's just like you just 
what, what am I doing? It's just like, and then, like, I was also watching some other coverage from other outlets who tried out this world tour mode, and like, like, you know, one of the, you know, random NPCs that, like, you'll meet, like, you know, it's like, it's like some, like, luchador on, like, the rooftop, like, a whole superhero getup, you know? <laughs> and it's like, what is going on? It's the, like, there's a lot, there's a lot of wackiness, and like, it doesn't take itself too seriously. But ultimately, like, what is at the end of that? Uh, what does, what does the end look like for that single player mode? And what, does it uh, does it try to make a, a, a bridge, construct a bridge for people to be like, okay, I want to like play this further, because you know they'll make a, they'll create a character with their own custom look, custom attire, custom move set, but now can it like, what? How will they feel like if they're like, okay, now I have to actually play this game quote unquote for real, I have to play, you know, the base roster, the actual real normal characters of this game that all have like a very strict aside moveset that were all deliberately designed for this game obviously to be you know a com- a competitively balanced game at the end or maybe capcom just wants to get like more like the casual crowd involved to you know kind of increase their audience and if they stop obviously. at the story mode yeah maybe, maybe that's kind of like that's that's still a win for them or getting people interested in viewing tourneys where they'll be familiar with the characters they have played through them maybe they yeah, won't play competitively I, themselves but they'll they'll tune in on in tournaments and be more involved in that way yeah ulti- it's ulti- ulti- ultimately it's like it's not it's not always about the conversion rate it's always it's always about like you know thinking about like if it will convert one Mm-hmm. And, and and two like uh, the the, the will the game like will the game game could try to convey that or not two and three ultimately single player is a key part of fighting games like uh, like I know a lot of competitive fighting players may not feel like that but for the vast majority like the the vast player based majority of people playing these games it's always going to be the casual players that like just pick up and play that and, and may uh, may or may not you know take it competitively but the like the core that stick with it will always like be lesser number compared to like the overall mm. number of people that eventually pick up this game. Yeah, and it's important to say that like Capcom's outright said that their plans is that they want to uh have this game sell 10 million copies. That's what they're aiming for. And honestly, I think they're doing all the right things to kind of get um get that sound. Yeah, I, re- I really, I really, really, really hope that Street Fighter Six is, is successful. Like, I think they've they've absolutely sold me on like their their concept for the game and all the footage and like uh, my brief time with like the demo that they put out. Like, I think there's a lot of like really interesting things that they've done to this game, and like it feel it feels like the next step of like what a fighting game should feature as like uh like in the base package. It feels like a complete package from the get go. From what they're putting out and like a lot of like just a lot of features that makes what a modern fighting game should be like it makes it more pleasant like say private lobbies it's all menu based it's no like arxis uh chibi avatar running around a station you know to like get a match set up and like it's no it's all menu based it's simultaneous uh matches going on in that private lobby for instance it's like that's something that like you know that's very very pick up and play very just fast and then, then the instant rematch uh times like when you hit rematch on the person whether it's local or online yeah. it happens instantly it's not like tekken 7 where it's like get ready for the next battle and then i like, also love, like seven seconds or two, seven love how there's seconds. some people that are upset about that when first off both of you have to pr- have to press the button and second 
you're not seeing anyone that actually plays fighting games complain about this. Yeah, I mean, like, it's one of those things, like, when you want to... When I want to play a game, a fighting game online, I want to get as many matches as I can in in the shortest amount of time. Because at the end of the day, what I want to play is the fighting game. If you want to take a break from playing the fighting game, you can always do that. <laughs> you know, oh, that's the thing I really hate about Grand Blue versus that lobby. You spend so much time waiting in a lobby, and it just takes forever to load the matches. Yeah, it's, it's not it fun. It's awful. It's not fun when you have to like wait in between matches. So I, I really hope that Street Fighter Six, uh, like. Like if Street Fighter Six like is successful in what it brings, I hope that is the standard baseline for what all like all modern fighting games from then on like are expected to like launch with. Like that should be the expectation for fighting games. It shouldn't be like stripped down, having to make compromises of like <laughs> having some like bare bones thing, and they're still charging you sixty to seventy dollars. And like, please get our game. You know, there's barely any features in it. It's like, come on. So hopefully this will be like the new skeleton, base skeleton of fighting games moving forward in terms of like features and expectations and quality of life features. Speaking of features, the last feature write-up that we have on the site is one that I almost forgot about, but Josh remembered to put it on the list here at the last minute. And that is we put up a very important feature about a surprise game from March and that was Paranorma Site. So this was a game that ended up taking us by surprise. We kind of featured it in one of our March podcasts. And Josh had the opportunity to basically get some uh, uh, unique to us question and answer put forth for from the developers of that game. So Josh, just tee us up about how this came to be and what you ended up putting up uh, for the Paranorma Site interview that's up on the site right now. I honestly like it came to me as a surprise because Adam was actually the one who you know emailed me about the offer uh, through uh, our, our, PR, our PR contact for the site at Square Enix, and they're like, "Hey, you know, we we um, noticed that you know you have you, you know, kind of had glowing things to say about Paranorma site. Would you be interested to uh, talk to you know some of the key staff? You know, and then they listed like four key staff. It's like it's like it's pretty much all like the names you would want to like." Uh, interview for this game, you know, you had like the the writer and director, you know, both the same person with, uh, with Takanari Ishiyama, kind of like uh, the, this is like his, his uh, major breakout hit and like in terms of like coming back to like uh, a brand new adventure game being sold simultaneously worldwide. Like he was already kind of like a pretty well known in the Japanese space for uh, the some detective uh, series that was only um, released in Japan, um, but like. But so so it was kind of like a, the first time that like most Western players would get to know him with this game. You had um, Hidenori Iwasaki who composed the music for this game. Um, a lot of people in the RPG space will recognize that name because he contributed to titles such as Stranger of Paradise, titles such as Final Fantasy XI, and then titles such as In My Crowd Front Mission. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, People like the character designer for his Gen Kobayashi, which people will definitely know for people like RPGs, because you know one of the major artists that contributed to Neo: The World Ends with You. Uh, the producer of the game Kazuma Oshu, and I was like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll interview all of them. So, um, when obviously it was like an email interview, and email interviews are always inherently difficult to to do because you never know, you can't you can't really respond to their responses. You kind of have to you kind of have to have 
already a, a, a list of questions already prepared beforehand and you can't really like have any questions to, like because you can't anticipate the responses right you don't know what how they're going to respond so you can't really have any questions that follow up their response like in a more normal face-to-face interview right so i wanted to really get their perspectives on certain aspects of this game so i had to find ways to like rope them in and i was very very happy you know with the response because i think a lot of people when they think about the paranormal site community you know it's not like super big but it's very passionate it's definitely found its crowd and most people who've played it really really like it a lot of it, it's not uncommon you know to see or it's i mean it's not it's not rare to see in that community say oh yeah this is like my favorite game this year so far or like this might end up being my favorite game this year so far like that is those are responses that are common uh for this game um when people have played it and they're like we're really impressed with like you know and it's it's nice to, it, it's a nice game because it's something that like people can complete in a reasonable time frame like the average an average playthrough for this game is like seven to ten hours so it's like it's super digestible for people so a lot of people who play it will see the end of the game because it's it's captivating and it doesn't overstay its welcome so that's what that's what like really really um motivated me to get really deep into the weeds with this uh interview in terms of like not only just like development stories and like uh and you know they're the kind of the process of going into it i really appreciate the responses from all the staff like i really love Iwaki's response about his uh his approach to the game because you know when you th- when you look at iwasaki's uh record you know he's mostly done rpgs and he's like yeah this is the first time i've done um an ost for like this adventure genre so there's a lot of learning <laughs> kind of learning as i go um and like and i asked him you know what like what differentiates you know writing music for the adventure adventure genre compared to other rpgs that you've already done so he had a really really insightful response to that ishiyama of course like had a lot to say because he was you know director and writer for this game and of course uh kobayashi oshu were fantastic as well like kobayashi a, a lot of like the 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 game's memorable like since it's an adventure game like obviously the visuals and music all really have to come together very well and there's a lot of like very memorable expressions that people have coming into paranormal site that i really wanted to pick kobayashi's brain about um with this but what really you know um uh really made me confident going is like i want to ask questions that are like more spoiler focused and that's something that you don't you don't really ever get to see out of like these title kind of like post-launch interviews like you're really getting to the nitty-gritty of like of like questions that'll only speak to people that have like completed this game and like and you're always worried about like well well, people might fall off because like it'll be like maybe some 40-hour rpg and maybe only like out of like 100 readers maybe only like maybe five or seven people have like can really read this part right but for but but in the paranormal site since like most of the people who played it have already finished it because it doesn't really overstay its welcome they can always that like they can usually just go into that knowing like hey i i marked spoil a spoiler warning and they're they're comfortable going you know reading on or they can always come back to it because all it takes for them is like you know seven to ten hours when they get around to come back and like see okay you know obviously it's gonna be up forever there and i know so, i know um seven to ten hours is not nothing but it's almost more like 
a movie where it's like you've either seen it or you haven't you're not in the process of seeing it <laughs> you know i know yeah. yeah. i know that's 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 not quite true because you know a two-hour movie versus a 10-hour game but it is kind of like where for longer rpgs you have plenty of people who say i played the first chapter or i played the first act and fell off like me on pokemon or whatever but this one okay. is just like if it's it's reviewed and had really high word of mouth people who have started it have been very inclined to finish it and then are very inclined to talk about it because other people that have started it have also finished it and then can also make more use of you know opportunities like this where we can talk to the creative talent behind the game and some of the decision making that went into what people liked about it so it just kind of all works well together in that way yeah, so I'm incredibly grateful to you know Adam and our and our uh, Square Enix PR contact, uh, you know, for getting this uh, all organized uh, and getting us you know access to these uh, folks. They they're all really wonderful, and I'm really happy that's you know it, it turned out very well. You know, I, I, I if, there, if there's anything I love doing recently is like trying to get interviews with like uh, developers of like games that I really love. Like you know, for this I got into contact with Keizo, the creator of Asta Libre Revision. And we had a really, really great interview there uh, about that game. And like, I, this is something that I would like to keep on going whenever the opportunity presents itself. I like, I like discovering like these niche, undiscovered games, and like really thinking about like, man, what was the development of this game like? Like thinking about like, what were I, I can't even imagine like, you know. So like, I, 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 I think these the, these types of like pieces and opportunities are like what makes this sort of field of work the most special for me because i like i I like connecting to like the developers and like the people who make these games on like a very human level um yeah because regardless of whatever zeitgeist might be going on like art is inherently a human like process yeah when you can talk like pick the pick the brains of the people that are that are like creating the art that you love it's like I agree with you 100%. It's one of the most fulfilling aspects of this job. Yeah. That's, I hope, you know, people uh, liked it, you know, to the, to the people who uh, read it. Thank you so much. And, you know, any any feedback is great. And uh, play Paranormal site, you know, if you, it's, it, won't, it won't take much time. I promise you that, like, it'll, it'll get your attention. It'll hook you and have a blast. You know, the, the less you know, the, the more you'll get out of it going in so it's definitely one of the hidden gems of this year with that we'll go on into our news section um i had originally listed this as a main topic because i had seen uh, a news post that josh tolentino had put up about a whole bunch of new footage from at least i thought at the time new footage from final fantasy 16 of course the major release coming out in june we had uh the pax event we had the, the big new recent trailers and Square Enix's Japanese um, YouTube channel had put up a bunch of different trailers, but they're they're like 40 seconds to a minute each that are each diving into previously discussed topics such as the icon battles, the summon actions, the abilities that you can pull um, when controlling Clive, the buddy system, the parties, the story focus mode for those that aren't um, quite as comfortable with action games. And unfortunately, well, I don't know if unfortunately is the right word, but a lot of this like there's there's things that you can probably pull out of these trailers for those that are really going through them with a fine tooth comb but a lot of it is just kind of distilling down all the individual components that have kind of already been um addressed or talked about uh so i'm not 100 percent sure if there's a whole lot we can personally glean out of this but if you're looking for a lot of more combat fo- well maybe not a lot more just more, more combat footage with more details about the the different 
actions and abilities that they're comprised of, we've got all those trailers kind of synthesized and combined into a single news post um, up on the site. They are Japanese focused trailers, so the um, all of the um, overlay text is in Japanese. But of course, you can kind of glean the meaning from the um, from the footage as well. We did get another game reveal this week. Let me just go ahead and introduce the byline here because I wasn't expecting this. I don't know if other people like knew about this game from uh, from the developers or had any expectation to see this being announced this week. But we got a announcement of the MMORPG Chrono Odyssey from South Korean developer NPixel. And this include a gameplay reveal that is about four minutes long, showing uh, a significant amount of gameplay, uh, several dozen new screenshots and artwork. Um, and in general, I went ahead and watched this trailer, and it looks like a really it's, it's fun... It's just the next uh, installment in the Chrono series. Is this a series? <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's, there's the Chrono Trigger. Oh, see. I'm, I'm dumb. I'm, I feel this is a, I'm a little bit right in the face that I missed that. But yeah, the game. this game is called Chrono Odyssey. Um, it's an MMORPG that we just got its gameplay reveal. And the thing is, is that I'm always kind of itching to see like what the next big MMORPG will be but when I watched this trailer and I was actually watching it while Adam was in a discord channel with me and I basically said like yeah this seems fine this seems flashy music's good fantasy setting seems fun gameplay looks neat but then I'm just like well uh Crimson Desert also looked good and that's kind of AWOL and then um uh Ashes of Creation has been in development for years and years and years like I'm basically just like I don't it's hard for me to get super it's, invested or excited knowing that this thing is at minimum like five years away it's funny you say that because like crimson desert like just got a recent update oh did it i have yeah. I've been so like under a rock that i i thought that one had been kind of gone for a while well what what i've been let me just i just saw people saying it's that there was some sort of update uh there was an update to black desert this looks more like Black Desert to me watching the gameplay trailer, except that without the UI. But okay, there, there's, there's, there's an Unreal Engine 5 game, Chrono Odyssey, right? Yes. Um, okay, okay. No, the update was is that from uh, Pearl Abyss's uh, like, uh, quarterly earnings, they confirmed that the development is finished and are just ramping up uh, gameplay, like marketing and um, gameplay demos for this year. So Crimson Desert is probably coming out either this year or very early next year. Oh, okay. So that kind of that kind of that kind of undermines my thesis. Well, well, I mean, we'll see, right? You never know. I mean, they're they're wrapping up, but who knows when it actually releases for real? What's Um, up with like video games loving using the the title uh, Desert? You know, I hate desert environments. So, so when 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 are we going to get Chrono Desert? That'll be the. I've never touched that because that's the least area I'm interested. You know what? I didn't even explore the desert area in Genshin, okay? Because I fucking hate deserts. I like how we somehow ended up back on Genshin. What? But trying to trying to wrap this back in, yeah. Chrono Odyssey. It it shows a lot of um, Black Desert vibes, like some a lot of monster fights that are very reminiscent of something like Monster Hunter. Uh, But all the footage is like gameplay montage, short clips, no UI. Which is, I think, I guess it's not all that. I'm, I'm near the end of the trailer. There's more um, just scene setting and things like that. But it's hard how for me to... Run, how, how will it run uh, at launch? Probably not very great. <laughs> yeah, but it, Oh, yeah, I guess <laughs> for, I never for stated. Worth, for what it's worth, this game was actually announced a while ago. But as is usual for these games, they're announced. And MMOs just obviously take 
a hell of a long time to make. <laughs> so this yeah. is finally there. I think they, I think it was announced three years ago, and this is actually like the first reveal of it. Yeah, I, I was my my wording was probably not up to par, but I was trying to say like it's the it's the reveal announcement trailer. But right. it's exactly. certain people, certain people who might have been following the developer, knew it was under you know certain people have been anticipating more this more than others, depending on whether they followed the. Uh, it's kind of funny. Initial... Whenever I post about a, an MMO, especially like a Korean MMO, which uh, there's a lot of them, like I'm not very much into this scene, so a lot of them are new to me. But every time I post about one, you get a good number of comments from people who are like oh i've been looking forward to this or like they're very aware of it and so there's like, definitely finally like, yeah there's definitely you know segments of people who are like track all these things and they're looking forward to them and uh trying to find that next big mmo to jump into well, I, was, I was wondering like how many views are on this trailer Seven hundred thousand. so yeah, a lot now it was we don't have any sort of date or anything basically you just said it's coming up consoles they ever but, say it's like a wow killer i don't think people use that phrasing anymore yeah, <laughs> every time when there's a new ever like that it's like it's the wow killer well, the wow killer might have been ff14 at this point well no well, i mean the most recent wow expansions really well received yeah, yeah wow seems like it's wow seems like it's kind of back on the upswing with a recent couple expansions so it seems like it's kind of from an outsider's perspective like stopped its fall <laughs> and kind of found a good place again but yeah, so Chrono Odyssey uh, will follow up and well, it's if it's this console generation, PS5 and Xbox Series, then maybe maybe we, maybe I'm being too cynical. Maybe it won't be so long before we see this. So hopefully, finally, in the, in the conclusion of the Chrono trilogy. I was kind of being a bit cheeky about this earlier, but also in late May, we're getting the the final um, the final piece of gameplay content from. Luminous Productions, and that is Forspoken's little add-on, Forspoken and Tanta We Trust, coming out on May 26th or May 23rd if you've got early access because you have the um the deluxe edition. Uh, this trailer is all gameplay, um, really no uh no voiceover, no dialogue, and it shows basically this trailer shows like some actions where you have like an allied assistant and play with the two characters, the two mages. Other than that, I don't really know exactly how this is going to tie into the main game. Obviously, it's going to act as some sort of prequel, but with the timey wiminess of having Frey there, et cetera, et cetera. Adam, are you excited? So when I beat Forspoken, um, speaking story here, I did feel like there's a pretty significant gap in the storytelling like that kind of diminished the product. And I think this actually will attempt to fill it. So on that front, it's kind of like, of two minds, it's like, well, I wonder what it is, but also it's kind of like, you put this into a DLC? Okay. As far as gameplay goes, I actually don't really know what to expect. You know, I think that is the probably the strongest part of the game, is just like the moment-to-moment -moment combat gameplay. So, you know, if they have like a neat little twist there, and it's still fun to play, then maybe it'll be enjoyable. We'll see. I'll play it. I'll play it just because, like, I I kind of want to get my my money's worth sort of thing. But like, Forspoken had <laughs> yeah, some I decent ninety bucks on this. <laughs> I had it by the, the deluxe the edition. No, oh, I guess I did. <laughs> or I need to pay for the DLC separately because I didn't get the deluxe edition. So I, I won't be playing it until the um the twenty sixth, I guess. But I just oh, remember no, not like, your three days early access. Oh no! But the uh like. The game spends like 60% of its runtime leading up to the first Tanta, which is the fire one, Sila, I believe. 
And then like the other three are like bang, 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 but one of them's friendly and the other two like one's a fight and one's not really a fight. Like like the back half of that game just feels like a fever dream. Like I feel like it's building up to Sila and then like six hours later you're at the end game. Uh yeah. and I like I feel like that's like I what Adam said, like, did I miss something? I'm confused, but it just feels like the development kind of just fell out from under them a little bit. Not as bad the, as Final, uh, Final 15. Fantasy. Yeah, I was gonna say the Final <laughs> Fantasy 15 special. Yeah. I mean, it it does rhyme a little bit, so maybe maybe this will kind of fill in the gaps at least to some extent and see uh, what we think about it in late May. Uh, we do have one sales update. Of course, uh, finally, earlier this year, we got the um, console release of the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters, the new font, all the other details of those. Uh, the Pixel Remaster across all of its releases have passed over 2 million worldwide sales. Only they make more physical copies. Yeah, the collector's edition. Well, uh, I the, the two million just obvious. This is obvious, but it's like combined digital individual sales of every game on Steam, Switch, PlayStation, and so, mobile, right? So. I guess mobile, yeah, because they're just premium titles on mobile. So why what, not what do you? Those? Okay, so when you um, I guess if someone got all six re-releases that caught six. the six sales. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think okay. it's just a combined like we've sold six million. Pixel Remaster games individually. Okay. Two million. Two million of all six. I might have said six million. I didn't mean six million. No, two million. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, yeah, two million across six games across four platforms. Is that good or is that bad? Well, I think only Square Enix knows like what their I, expectations uh, were. <laughs> I would hope it's good. I mean, you know, that, that's a that's a big number either way. It is, yeah. And 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 not every person got all six games. Like people mm. uh, see people got the ones that they like well we learned in our um the 35th anniversary poll that we held on the site that we published earlier in the year that final fantasy 6 especially is the most likely to be someone what that would self-identify as their favorite final fantasy game that was not their first game but i think yeah but but yeah i do know that there is a vocal you know very um opinionated strong-willed population that will say yeah, that no he just insulted you james no, no, no. i, I would unfriend you guys if i ever say that you're a final fantasy freezer favorite That's you not, okay uh i i well, have no, to no, assume no, 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 no. i've met some people that said that they preferred final fantasy 3 to final fantasy 5 and I, I i gotta be honest i almost reached for that block button i have to assume ff3 is a more bearable experience with the pixel remaster version than it's the original. much better than the uh yeah version. okay yeah much better so, uh, okay. Uh, did they ever port the console features into the PC version? Not yet. Not, nope. Okay. <laughs> but they said, they're, but they said they're planning on it. It just hasn't happened. The four times EXP and all that stuff. Yeah. Or is it also the sprites yeah. are improved too? The sprites are slightly like they have better coloring. Oh fuck. Mm. Okay. I think they so, updated on Steam too. I might be wrong. Anyways, um. I I know like the console version also has like an EXP to- or not EXP well it does have EXP toggles but it also has like an encounter toggle mm-hmm. which can be very useful in places for example the Crystal Palace in Final Fantasy III. Oh yeah. Sometimes yes. you just want to turn off encounters. That'd be nice. I hmm, what does I wonder what the speedrunning categories look like for these games now. It probably it was a skip to chaos. Try to kill them in level one. Yeah, because I mean, it's, since that all those features are baked into the game now, they should be valid, right? I wonder. Yeah. I have to imagine there's different categories like yeah. no cheats or with cheats. 
Oh. And to wrap up this podcast, we just have a few release dates uh, for mostly some ports. We have Weird West, which released uh, either last year or the year before um, on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. We'll be releasing on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series on May 8th, so within a couple days of recording this podcast. They're calling it the Definitive Edition, um, 4K, 60 FPS. I actually did play this game on PC when it came out. Uh, to summarize it in just a couple sentences, Weird West, it's an isometric game that takes place in like a fictional, fantastical Wild West, hence Weird West, where you play as five different characters in sequence. So it has like this really interesting like narrative idea that's very unorthodox. I don't, but I just didn't think it came together in the end. Like the, the premise was more interesting than the execution. And I do have a review up on the side of the PC version, but interesting game. If you want to try something different, that's not like anything else. Uh, give it a try. On that front alone. We don't know anything about this definitive edition other than it's performs on performs well on new gen consoles. New yeah. Gen my, my, my understanding so. is that they're calling just the next gen console version, the definitive edition. Yeah, and we don't even know for sure if it'll perform well on new consoles, considering what, hap- <laughs> considering what happened with uh, Outer Worlds. Oh, yeah. yeah. Apparently, the Outer Worlds Definitive Edition is just, like... Bad. Like, bad bad and never fixed. Like they tweaked some, like, sliders for, like, lighting and stuff without considering, like, how it looks in all environments in the game. Like, I, I've seen a lot of screenshots, or not a lot, but a handful of screenshots of, like, indoor places the lighting is just all messed up where like you're talking to a character shows their face and they're just like standing in a shadow like why are we why are we talking here in the shadow i don't know it's was not it was not carefully considered some of the lighting changes they did marvel's midnight suns will be launching for playstation 4 and xbox one on may 11th so in about a week from now alongside i believe it's the fourth dlc character storm uh, in addition yeah. to, an, hmm? yeah, yeah, that's a lot. That, yeah, that's the last one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in addition, this is kind of I think all but confirmed before this point. But the game was originally announced for Switch. Uh, the Switch version uh, has now been officially canceled. So we'll get it on PS4 and Xbox with the last DLC, and then the game I think is basically will be complete at that point. It'll be a full package, gold edition. Kind of maybe in a similar vein. I know just like last week, Hogwarts Legacy released on last-gen consoles. Mm-hmm. And it still has a Switch version for the moment. Like planned, like technically. Kind of like, will that one actually make release? But it's, so far, it still is. What about Genshin Impact? Wasn't that going to come out for Switch? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the one tweet saying it was coming to Switch like three years ago. And then... Or four years ago, it was a long. I time. don't know. I will never forget that because yeah. it is like the phantom tweet that like never it's happened. Still, I think it's still up. Like I don't think they ever deleted it. You could find the tweet where they announced it, and that was. It. And there was a trailer too. I think. I, oh, I, I think, think they just gave it me because the hardware was too weak. <laughs> well, Holy no, shit. but but people have like hacked their switches to run Android, and it can run the game on Android. Okay, then I don't know what the hell they're doing. That. Uh, I don't know. Is Honkai coming to Switch eventually? No. They've only announced PlayStation. Okay. They probably already gave up after the Switch hurdles. I mean, it's just, it's just. Look, they're too visually demanding. Okay, you gotta understand. Look, if, if Nintendo can do what they do with Breath of the Wild and Zelda, surely anyone can do anything. I have a small, tiny little news bit that no one cares about except me. I find it kind of amusing. Okay. Uh, our favorite video game publisher, PlayOn, 
is mm -hmm. getting rid of all of its extraneous uh, publishing labels. Okay. So no Adam, Adam, over. Adam, remind me. Play on. I think they went by a different name at one point. Yeah. Who were they again? <laughs> they were. I think it's Koch Media is how they pronounce it. But they they were Koch Media. They changed their name to Play On, and they had the labels like their publishing labels, uh, Prime Matter, Deep Silver, and Raven's Court. And they're basically just like, screw it. We're all Play On now. Or <laughs> everything is Play On. And even though they've been Play On for like a year people still don't know who they are. People might be familiar with like Deep Silver because that's the name they have plastered literally as a publisher, but they're basically the people behind it. Um, and they're also part of the Embracer group. They're one of those operating entities within that conglomerate. But yeah, I just I just saw that. It was, this was actually a report from gamesindustry.biz where they're basically just saying, we're merging all these into one. And I kind of just found it amusing because it's just like, you mean having five different names for your company wasn't a good idea? Uh, like, That's crazy. Okay. That's weird. I mean, it, 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 they got to consolidate it now because they have for a play on showcase sounds better than Deep Silver slash Prime Matter slash whatever slash showcase. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> for the inevitable. Um, that's, you know. Weird move. I mean, I mean, it's not weird, but I mean, like, it's a weird move that they had it all separate names. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, like, two years ago, whenever it was, when they announced the Prime Matter publishing label, I'm pretty sure we talked about it. Like, why did they announce another label? Dude, I, 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 I remember it's like, like they had a, they had like a showcase. Was it last year, or the year before? That like, they, it was just like a showcase that showed no gameplay. I yeah. think that was them. And I, I think like Dead Island Two that just came out is under the Deep Silver name. I think. So, like, if I had come out next year, it would have been under play on, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> See, this is why it was confusing. It was weird. Like, we're finally, they're finally doing something about it. Well, I remember in that first play on showcase, or was it Deep Silver at the time? I don't remember. They announced, like, two RPGs, Dolmen and The Last Aura Crew. And they uh, reviewed terribly. Well, like, they just failed to, like, latch anywhere. And I, I was like, I feel bad that we never really covered those. Let me pull them up on Steam. Not only are the reviews average, because I don't want to just take that as gospel, but they're just, the number of reviews is really small. Uh, um, the Last Aura Crew currently has a 54 on, or sorry, Dolman has a 54 Metacritic, and The Last Aura Crew has, like, 50, 53, 57. Those are god-awful uh, Metacritic numbers. Yeah, they are. Uh, it's like averaging mm -hmm. up 50. Are, are, are they better or worse than Redfall? Uh, I think Redfall is which is not. Oh no, Redfall 59 or 56. That's on oh, par. <laughs> okay, okay. I, you know, I was actually, worse, like, when I but... said that, I was wondering because it's like, well, I've seen footage of people playing Redfall. I don't think that's a 60 Metacritic game. I think that's a 50 Metacritic game. I know it was game. in the 60s at one point, but it's it's dropped since then. That's That's. A 60s Metacritic is pretty darn bad. A 50s Metacritic is almost like... I... This is I, what happened here. I know originally there was, like, a few, like, reviews for the game that said, I we just don't understand how, like, Arcane could have made a game this bad. And some people, like, shit on them. But now it's, like, more and more reviews are saying the same thing. And it's like, man, what the fuck happened? And that's I, I a, forget... That's, I, that's I, a big I, I, question I, that everyone tried to answer this, this last week. <laughs> And I and I, f I forget like all the different studios within Arcane, but like early May, like it, it's also like the six year anniversary of Prey 2017. And I saw some people being like, "Man, Prey was good." 
This is the uh, prey. same developer as Prey, by the way, that did Redfall. Yeah, this is Arcane Austin. Yeah, yeah, Arcane Leon did the Dishonored. Oh wow! Well, maybe just go play Prey if you haven't played it yet. It's pretty good. Yeah, uh, the state of uh, Microsoft first-party releases is just what the hell are they even? Doing I mean, they there? had one hit this year. That was Hi-Fi Rush, right? So, yeah that that was literally that's... that was literally it. That was yeah. literally it. I mean, I guess, I guess it's banking on Starfield at this point. Not yeah, be it, it, is, it is a bad sign when during that kind of funny interview that Phil Spencer did a few days ago, he basically st- like pretty much all but said, look, Starfield's not going to be good enough that people sell their PS5s. And it's like, if you're already managing expectations like that, it's like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird, right? Because like, because now now that like the Starfield developers like doubly feel the pressure on top of the pressure that they already felt, because this feels like for a lot of people like one of the big, 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 big pillars of Microsoft releases this year. Because after Starfield, what what else do they got this year? Yeah, people talk about like oh well, Halo Infinite. Like some people like Halo Infinite, but it's like undeniable it did not have the uh, impact that it needed. No, so. no. And little yeah, games like High Fire Rush and Pentiment can only do so much, right? So I don't know. It's been it's been a weird week for Microsoft. Uh, really, <laughs> a lot of soul searching, I guess, this week for them. So is it like was it the Blizzard dodge a bullet from not having that merge go successfully go through? I mean, not necessarily because like right now, what what's happening? They're being is, like, forced you, back into the office. Yeah, UK has blocked like the merger for um, Microsoft uh, Microsoft acquisition for Activision Blizzard, but they're gonna you know take it to appeals, and that'll be a lengthy process. And there, and even through appeals, how familiar are you with the appeals process in the UK? Because I've read up a lot about it, and it's very minuscule. Everyone being successful. Yeah, everybody I've like uh, that I like actually can kind of trust their opinions on this and oh. said look if the if the cma has blocked it it's basically game over because the only way that you can appeal is by by uh, appealing to another word which will say if they figure out okay they were irrational when they made their decision then they just send it back to the cma again so it's not a different like board like making a decision about like the cma's decision it's sort of really just never board saying okay yeah you need to uh, redo the entire process but if the cma is just already working from the standpoint that they do not want this uh to go through they can always just find another reason why they find this shouldn't go through yeah yeah like it's it's not zero percent but it's like like you said it's very unlikely by historical precedent to, for sure to, be, to put in perspective this is what killed the nvidia arm deal yeah yeah, yeah. so it's it's uh We'll see. You know that, that, that there's a. We'll see. We'll see. So I don't know. It's uh, a very complicated week for the Xbox division uh, <laughs> at Microsoft. So yeah, I don't know exactly how we got onto the Microsoft talk f- f- launching from we're, the we're headline about. about reviews. This... We we were, we were talking about. I talked about play on. I don't know for no reason. Then we talked about uh, reviews. And then we talked about Redfall. And we talked about. Microsoft it's my fault because I mentioned Redfall because I was. Cause... I was being cheeky. And then it was uh, very close <laughs> to Redfall. Closer than I expected. <laughs> this this AAA Microsoft game reviews just as it's well possible. as these. It's possible that the Microsoft that Redfall gets even lower because there's still reviews for that game coming out. Yeah, for sure. I do have one other headline on the uh, docket here. It's another switch port. 
that I don't think anyone expected. Uh, Biomutant, the THQ Nordic game that came out in 2021, will be launching for Switch on November 30th. Hey, if if they get the developers that did the uh, Dying Light port, maybe it'll be a, like a miracle port or something. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. I, I haven't thought about Biomutant in at least a year and a half now. I haven't Maybe thought about more. it in two years, and it came out two years ago. <laughs> I'm like, George reviewed it, and George, who was like the George. eternal optimist, was kind of like, "I don't like yeah. this game." Is kind of, kind of. You no, know, if George doesn't like it, then yeah, it's all so like it. <laughs> uh, um, This also reminds me that so Biomutant was THQ Nordic, right? Yeah, um, yeah, also part of that Embracer conglomerate. That reminds me that they announced. Kingdom Come Deliverance for Switch like two years ago and then nothing. It's like, okay. It got mentioned. That yeah. game is super CPU bound. I don't think that's ever going to be playable on Switch. Hey, when they announced it, they even basically said that this is the Warhorse Studios people. They basically even said, we didn't really plan on releasing this on Switch, but then we realized it's possible. And I'm wondering if after they announced <laughs> it, they realized actually this isn't possible. We realized it's possible and then silently, oh no. Oh no, it's not. <laughs> Well, if, if Witcher Three is possible, I guess that other people were just like anything's possible. Oh wait, yeah, dude, hey, Doom did it. Witcher Three did it. We can do anything. And that wraps up uh, the news slate for this week's Tetracast. So not too much going on, but uh, knowing that obviously the big headline on next week's episode, releasing officially next Friday, will be Tears of the Kingdom. So I know that that definitely is going to be our main topic of discussion next week. Uh, other than that, I'm not 100 percent sure. So we'll just have to see how it uh, how it shakes out before then. Uh, also, a, rem- a reminder, a, a one week reminder for people in the U.S. I don't know if like if it's different elsewhere in the world, but Mother's Day weekend next weekend as well, next mm-hmm. Sunday. So don't so forget. Do, so do something nice for your mom, and then go hide in your room and go play go play Zelda. Yeah, or play Zelda with your mom. Zelda releases on Friday, right? Yeah, yeah. So basically, releases are on Friday. Yeah, and yeah. I want that OLED switch so bad, but I just keep thinking that there's a switch too in the corner. That was my next, next week's podcast is going to be like, how much sleep did you get last night? No, I was just playing <laughs> Zelda all night. I was looking at OLED I'll Switch just... Zelda, and he's like, it's like I could get this, or I can get more gems in Star Rail. You know, I how was, many gem? I... How many Star Rail gems is that? Uh, Chow. Different value. Okay. Like like it like how much is it? Bang. Like is it like four hundred dollars? If, if you switch from Zelda to currency, I think you probably get about thirty two thousand gems. I think about a hundred rolls. I think just kind of rip off. <laughs> just kind of a rip off. But hey, what can you do? This is okay. Okay. Uh, okay. If let's say let's say these were people and Zelda OLED Switch was drowning on one side and then uh, Star Real Gems was drowning on the other side, which one would you go save? I would. I would save the Zelda. <laughs> You'd save the Zelda. I, I'd rather take physical hardware than this because I would treat the the was it the gotcha as an adrenaline rush. Like I, I said, that I'm so I don't even care about watching video game previews anymore. I. I it's like in order for me to get excited, it's like getting an SSR in the gotcha game nowadays versus like watching a cool ass trailer of some video game. It's, my mind's fucked. I'm sorry, guys. You're saying you would go save Zelda, but if you saw all the all the potential SSRs you could get beforehand in those gotcha rolls drowning, you would go if you saw like 
a certain number of SSRs in that, you would go for that first. Yes, if I was guaranteed to get five SSRs, I would <laughs> save the drowning SSR dude. <laughs> At least he's honest. Uh, if I get zero, then no, I go straight no, no, no. <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously, if you knew exactly what uh, you would get from your gotcha pulls, that would probably like instantly deter uh, a lot of spending by everyone. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, we've established this through this insane analogy. At least it wasn't a food analogy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, thank you all so much for listening. We do have those three features that we called out up on the site at RPGSite.net. That includes Alex's Street Fighter VI little RPG uh, adjacent impressions piece of that game's marketing and its demo and the where where that game is heading for that audience. Um, Josh Tolentino's Honkai Star Rail initial impressions, and then of course the uh, the really cool interview that Adam and Josh were able to put together about um, Paranormal Site, one of the early surprises of the year. Uh, you can find RPG Site on all the social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. You can find our Discord page by hitting the link at the top of our home site or beneath the YouTube video or at discord.gg slash RPG site. And we will be back next week with another episode of the Chetricast focusing on Zelda and who knows what else. Until you hear from us next time, Stay safe and take care. We will talk to you guys later. Remember, March 7th is Amy the Hedgehog.